With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Always remember, you ain't first, you're last. The wise words from Reese Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. And that's what this championship week is 100% about. It's about that. It's about the fact that we start January 1st of each year preparing for the following fantasy football season to try to give us the best probabilistic outcome to get to this point this week right now right here in week 17. And thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you find us on your favorite podcast app. This is our second to last show for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Uh, By the way, I'm your host, Dan Mater. As I said last week, if you are following us on social media, at Show or Show everywhere else, it's fine. Or if you're following us on YouTube and you're subscribing to us, like you should already be, you'll be fine because you'll still be grandfathered into whatever new brand, whatever new outcome, whatever new show it is that we're going to be creating over the next month or two. Don't worry. Just like we would normally come back in March, get ready for free agency, get ready for the draft. That's still on. We are still going to have that content, but we are looking to do something different than what we've done before. And I'm going to have new partners like Chris Dowhauer here, of my new co-host here. We'll have Adam LaRue and Chase Thornton, who hopefully Adam will see a little bit later today. Chase, unfortunately not able to be with us last couple of weeks, but will be with the new show when we launch. So that's what you have all to look forward to. Chris, how you doing, man? So, Dan, you're talking about all the things that we got to you know, help us get to this point and all the you know the research we were doing. One of the researches I guess I should be doing right now is figuring out what the contract clauses are in my quarterbacks um, <laughs> out there right now to see if I will have people out there who will be throwing them the ball this fantasy week. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, in case you didn't hear, Russell Wilson, ta-ta, bye-bye. You're gone, baby. Uh, right after that, too, it was like, oh, okay, the contract situation's up. Rumors flying around. Maybe somebody will trade for him. And then they're like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll just cut him in March. 
Like, that's how much we don't care. Like, the Broncos are just like, we'll just cut your butt in March. Don't give a crap. Uh, today is going to be all about Operation Domination, a full preview of Week 17. We have some bets. We have some fantasy football advice. And, of course, we want your start stick questions throughout the program, like right off the bat, coming in with Jay Money. Uh, who to start at wide receiver two and flex this week is a half-point PPR league. He's got Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, Nico Collins, and David Montgomery Chris, pick two out of those four players. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with, as long as he's healthy, he did miss today, but I'm going to Amari Cooper coming off that 216-yard game. Him and Joe Flacco seem to definitely be on the same page. And David Montgomery, my other play, Dallas's run defense has not been great. We saw Raheem Moser take advantage of that, getting some tight rushing touchdowns. David Montgomery is a rushing touchdown machine for the Detroit Lions. I would play the safe bay play and go David Montgomery. I completely and 100% agree with you. That's exactly what I wrote back in the comment. I have David Montgomery uh, as my RB15 heading into the week. I expect him to get a touchdown in this one. Has to become a little more touchdown dependent because of Jameer Gibbs' role is growing. Yes, 100%. It does not matter because Detroit's offense, their identity is built around the running game first, built around Gibbs, built around Montgomery. Dallas does not do well against competent rushing offenses as we've seen against the 49ers against the Dolphins last week and we against oh, the Bills week too. They, that's thank you that's what I was saying against Rashad White and the Buffalo and the and the, and the I'm sorry James Cook and the Buffalo Bills getting all my running backs mixed up here right off the bat but yes so we've seen running backs have success against Dallas in the past and Amari Cooper there's no way I'm benching a guy coming off of a 200 yard performance and Chris we're about to get into this so that'd be a great segue to get into our first matchup of the day <laughs> So it is that Thursday night game. We got the uh, New York Jets taking on the Cleveland Browns in this one. The Browns right now favored at minus seven with a 35 and a half over under. The Browns have been 10 and five against the spread. The Jets are not going to have Zach Wilson. They're going to be on the road against Cleveland. Cleveland's defense notorious for being dominant when at home. Yeah, we're taking the Cleveland Browns to cover here at minus seven points. And talk about Amara Cooper. One of the things we got to talk about is the fact that, well, the Jets defense, while very, very good, of course, they play a lot more zone. It's not like Amari Cooper is going to get shadowed by Sauce Gardner. So if you're worried about Cooper, that's why I am not. I have Amari Cooper right now ranked as my wide receiver 13 on the week. I'm seven spots ahead of ECR. The fact is this, Joe Flacco, since coming in, has turned this into a pass-first offense. It's target galore, and the target share is consolidated around Amari Cooper and Dave Njoku. So that's why I don't care. David Njoku, by the way, my number two tight end on the week. The Jets have stunk against tight ends all year long, and he's going to get a focal point of this share. So, Chris, that's why I have no trepidation when it comes to the Cleveland passing offense, even against the New York Jets. Where are you at on this? No, I can understand some caution. I mean, the Jets have been pretty good. I mean, we, we have had in this season where, you know, Robert Slayle was kind of commenting about how they were slaughtering all the top-name quarterbacks, or dominating, I should say, the top-name quarterbacks. Um, but I also think that your point, we've kind of seen this this defense start spr- you know, springing holes, and we also have seen them give up some big plays. The thing that I'm most impressed by with Mari Cooper and Joe Flacco's connection is the big play opportunities and the fact that they're moving Amari Cooper around. 
as you alluded to, he's not going to be shadowed, but not only is he not going to be shadowed, he's not always going to lap on the outside. He's going to lap in a slot where you can take advantage of the Jets, and there is opportunities to have big plays down the field. So as I kind of alluded to, I'm not fearful of either player playing a joke who has got a great matchup versus the Jets. I think Mark Cooper's in a good spot. I don't think Joe Flacco is necessarily a guy that you must play or necessarily anyone else in the pass attack. I'm trying to figure out how to get in the lineup because it's not a porous Jets defense. But to your point, I'm not necessarily going to you know not ride Amari Cooper or not ride David Njoku this week either. Uh, I'm I, well. You, you mentioned Joe Flacco there. Am I dying to get him in my lineup? No, I'm not dying to get him in my lineup. But do I still have him ranked as a top twelve quarterback? Absolutely, I do. I have him at number twelve exactly. I'm nine spots ahead of ECR. They got him at QB twenty one. This Jets team, you got to look at this from a couple different standpoints. First and foremost, since Joe Flacco has taken over, he hasn't finished worse than QB 13 in four games. And in the three games, he finished inside the top 10, including a number one overall performance last week. I think it's kind of hard to bench him too right now at the moment. And that's with interceptions. It's with turnovers because he's still throwing it. He's still slinging it down the field. It has not mattered. Now you want to throw the Jets defense into that equation. That's fine. But now you have to look at it from this standpoint. Cleveland's defense at home, how much of a dogs they are, and then compare that to the fact that they're matching up against Trevor Simeon. I know things look good last week, but that was against Washington, okay? It's a far cry from what we have in the Cleveland Browns defense, especially when they're at home. All right, Trevor Simeon is more likely to look like what he did a couple weeks ago before he got to start here this past week against Washington than he did last week. And that's going to create turnovers and sacks and short yard situations and third and three and outs for Cleveland's offense. That's the thing here. We're going to see we're going to see complimentary football at the Cleveland Browns. That's why I have them covering this game. That's why Joe Flacco is still starting quarterback for me. So I'm not shying away from Mari Cooper or David Njoku. The only thing that maybe I don't want to play is the running backs. Jerome Ford is a flex option. That's it. And you're hoping for a touchdown because frankly, the volume just hasn't been there, even though the Jets are actually a decent matchup for running backs. What do you make of all that? No, I definitely agree. They have been a, de- a definitely a decent matchup for running backs. The problem for Cleveland, as alluded to, is they're a pass-first team, not necessarily by choice, but by basically what they're left with. Their offensive line being basically just decimated. They can't get a push. They can't have a, haven't had a running game in the last three or four weeks now. So I'm not really trusting the running backs. You're hoping one of those guys do fall in the end zone maybe Jerome Ford does maybe Kareem Hunt does you know maybe they're flex options but they're also guys that I'm very cautious about trying to get in my lineup early there's a lot of different options that could be available to you this week now I know we just want a whole tie rate about the Brown side don't worry we are going to get to the Jets side the Jets side of the football you're asking well, yourself short and sweet yeah it's two questions it's Brees Hall it's Garrett Wilson but Chris I don't have either one as much plays. In fact, I have both these guys as flex options only. Brees Hall coming in at RB27, Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 28. Can you play them? Do they have a safer floor? Will the volume head their direction? Yes, yes, and yes. Will it be productive this week? I don't know. I know Brees Hall was phenomenal last week against Washington. He's a very talented player who only needs one play. But again, this goes back to running backs do not do well when in Cleveland. You can take advantage of them sometimes when they're at, in your building, but not in Cleveland, and not when I expect Trevor Simeon to have a very, very bad game. I don't know how many opportunities the Jets offense is even going to have in this matchup. I think these guys are flex plays because of their talent and nothing more. What do you got? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. The, the, you know, I'm, I, 
this isn't Washington, as you alluded to. Brees Hall is a guy that had a smash goal last week. Cleveland's a completely different matchup. Now, I don't hate them in flex options, though, because you talk about the volume. The volume is very consolidated in New York. It's two guys who get basically involved in this offense. And the two guys who are going to get targeted out of the backfield, it's going to be Brees Hall getting targets or he's going to get handed the ball. Garrett Wilson's going to get targeted all over the field. Now, how productive you got, you know, 29 points last week out of fighting, you know, fighting Trevor Simeon's. Um, it's never going to happen again and probably rest of his NFL career. Um, but I will caution Dan that we got to be careful because last time I bashed a, a you know, New York quarterback, we had to watch Tommy Cutlets for the next like three weeks. Um, so what I'm cautious of is that Charleston has one more good game. Did I make you freeze? You could be drop. hearing about him being. Maybe not. Okay. All right. I think I got you back there. Let's go to our next matchup. We wrapped up everything there for the Thursday. We got one Saturday night game this week. Remember that Thursday, Saturday, the rest are Sunday. There's nothing on Monday. The Monday night game is technically the Saturday night game, which is the Detroit Lions ticket on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, thankfully, going into this matchup, no major injuries, not fantasy related anyway, of note heading into this game. Rico Daddle's a little bit questionable, but that's not really here nor there. Dallas is favored in this game at minus six at home with a, a week high, 53 and a half over under. Dallas said eight games go over. Detroit's had 10 games go over. This is one of the biggest over-unders we've seen the year. And I am still going to take the over here. Look, you can throw all day on Detroit, especially with it being in Dallas. So I don't think Dallas can have any issues of score in this game. And we've seen the Dallas defense against these good offenses in this last run. Eh, you can put points on them, too, when you really, really need to. Uh, I expect this game to be a high-scoring affair, and that's why I like the over in this one. I also like Dallas to cover. I don't think Detroit wins their division. I don't think they get the job done as well on the road, especially Jared Goff. There might be a key turnover here or there. I think Dallas is actually going to win this game at home, too. So I have Dallas, minus six, and an over on the 53-and-a-half. As far as fantasy goes, Chris, uh, I don't know how many headlines are here. I mean, you're, you're playing Dak. Jared Goff, I think, is a low-end QB1. We already talked about you're playing Dave Montgomery of Jameer Gibbs, ranked inside my top five this week. C.D. Lamb's the number one guy. Amon Ross St. Brown's my number five guy. Uh, uh, Sam Laporta, Jake, Jake Ferguson, almost starts across the board. I guess the only conversation, I got two maybe conversations for you here. One, Tony Pollard. I do still have him as a top 20 running back, but this is a brutal, brutal, brutal matchup. And I think if depending upon your options, you may want to ask yourself, who has a safer floor this week? I don't know if you have a better option than Tony Pollard if you made it this far, but mm, it's definitely not an upside play. Are you worried about Tony Pollard this week? I mean, definitely. I've been worried about Tony Pollard all season long, but I do think that is a guy that you're probably going to play as a flex option if you have him on your team. It's going to be harder to find a better option than that. It's not, it is a brutal matchup. It's a little too with playing Detroit. One thing you can do, though, is you can throw the backs and you'll versus Detroit. Um, You've seen a little bit more of that happening throughout the season for Dallas, so they can utilize the running backs. I do think that if it's going to be a high-scoring game, you're going to need somebody else other than Seton Lamb scoring points. I do think there's some opportunity for at least Tony Potter to fall in the red zone. So I do think – or fall into the end zone, I should say. So I do think he's a guy I'm playing as a flex, but I am with you. I'm not necessarily excited to have Tony Potter in my lineup. Yeah, I was scared, but again, got him in the top 20. Volume, high-scoring game, potential to score. And right now with running backs – 
unless you got one of the elite ones, you can't really ask for too much more. And that's kind of how this is boiling down to. As far as the other storyline to me, Jameson Williams, you're not playing him in a championship format, but I am very interested in him in DFS. And frankly, these last two games and maybe the playoff run for Detroit too, I'm keeping my eye on him for what his value is going to be next season. Finally, he is actually playing as the number two receiver in snaps, routes, run, and targets over the past couple of weeks over Josh Reynolds. We're finally seeing a starting Jameson Williams, Chris. Yeah, thank God. Um, no, I, I think there's a possibility. I still like to see his, his role evolve a bit more where he's you know asked to do a little more because this guy can, isn't just a, a fast guy. This guy can do different things, especially with the ball in his hands. So I'm excited about him being a number two receiver finally. But right now you're seeing kind of Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta be the priorities after Amala St. Brown in the passing attack. So it's still got a while to kind of be fantasy relevant to your point. Um, the guy that I'm going to be looking for DFS or for even a guy that maybe if I'm, I have a Keenan Allen or I have some kind of situation at receiver, I'm desperate looking at Brandon Cooks. I mean, as game talk about Dallas being able to throw the ball up and down the you know, field, there's going to be somebody that's going to help the other than CeeDee Lamb's going to probably have to score points in this game. Cooks has been the guy who finds run zone one way or another. So maybe a guy that you're looking at kind of replace that Quilton Sutton production in your, in your lineup this week. Uh, I don't know. So I know he found a touchdown last week, but he still had two catches for 14 yards. He still can't get over the four target hump, no matter what situation Miami, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are in, even if they're coming back from behind, even if they're playing against a high octane offense, it hasn't mattered. I got him at 42 ECR's got him at 32. I don't want you guys playing Brandon cooks at all. It's just, it's too volatile, especially when the number two target on that team is actually Jake Ferguson. And I think that that's, that's where it becomes hard for me. Your hope, for a Brandon Cooks touchdown, but even then, I don't know how much upside you get when you guys get in two catches 14 yards. I don't know. Well, like I said, looking for the Cortland Sutton possible replacement is the guy that's basically that you're living off of the red zone. Um, you're not looking for necessarily a guy who's going to have 150 yards, but a guy who can have a big game and has had big games this season. That's why I say he has some upside in a game that could be some points and possible, you know, a decent floor option is where he's going to be a guy that can fail in the red zone at least. He's had one big game this season. Well, where would you have him at? Because I got him at 42. Like I said, Easter's got him at 32. Do, do I sniff a showdown? I mean, here? I don't think he's definitely much different than probably in the middle where you guys have him. I think he's a flex okay. option. Like I said, is a top 36 a possible player. I was just seeing we could sniff out a showdown. That's all. Uh, all right. So with that, we can go on to our next. <laughs> By the way, if you're wondering, standings on the showdown, and they'll probably close out because I really have no reason to do any more showdowns. Because you I'll haven't just... given me my points of like the last week or two, but that's cool <laughs> either. <laughs> you know, I do have that graphic. I don't. I don't know where it is. You know, it just kind of like slipped my mind. You know what? Here it is. Here it is. We'll make Chris happy. We'll get this literally get this uploaded as the show goes. I told you I made it for you. Here you go. There you go. There's your extra win and my extra loss. Okay. Now he now he's happy, folks. I'm still in the lead, by the way. Anyway, so our next game that we're talking about, we got the New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills. Roger Stevenson finally gets put on the IR. Thanks for that, New England. And not that we thought that Ramondre had a real chance of coming back before our fantasy football playoffs with a high ankle and a team that was going nowhere fast. But why not put him on IR weeks ago? Why, why even dangle the little carrot out there? Thank you for that, Bill Belichick. I hope you're fired immediately. Anyway, they do take on the Buffalo Bills in this one. The Bills are favored in this game at 7.5 with a 41.5 over-under. Now, I know what you're thinking. Buffalo barely took care of business against the Los Angeles Chargers last Saturday. 
And apparently, Chris, we were wrong. Even Giff Smith and the Los Angeles Chargers can get an interim coach bump for the, <laughs> for the following week. Uh, I'm going to rebuttal that real quick, though, Dan. It was an inspired off, you know, effort by the Chargers. It was a putrid, putrid effort by the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> However you want to look at it, I did not think the Buffalo Bills would have trouble covering a 13 and a half line, even as big as that line was. And they barely squeaked out with a win, came down to the actual field goal at the end to win it. Um, but my point overall being here against New England, the Patriots only have one, one win against the spread. Just, just one. I'm going to take Buffalo to cover here at minus seven and a half. I have faith against Bill Belichick here. They play a little bit better football and they get the job done in that situation. Josh Allen, James Cook, you're playing. Now, here's where it gets interesting, Chris. <laughs> Stephon Diggs. It's been brutal, brutal. He's had one, count it one, in the last six games, one fantasy-relevant finish. That's it. Because the Philadelphia Eagles back in week 11. That's how brutal it's been. Now, as a result, as the lows have had him ranked all year, wide receiver 19. It's not a great match against the New England Patriots either, even though Stephon Diggs has had success against the Patriots. In fact, he's on a four-touchdown streak against New England for the last four matches he's faced them. But this doesn't feel like the Buffalo Bills offense. This doesn't feel like Stephon Diggs. So I have my top 20, but is there any part of you that's going to bench him? I mean, look, we've had this kind of discussion off air about different players, and I'm kind of the proponent of if you're going to play a guy, what do you feel more guilty about in a sense? If you're playing a guy like Stefan Diggs is sitting on your bench and he goes off and he has a 30-point game for the Patriots, are you going to sit there and just be like, oh, my God, why did I play Brandon Cooks? So I do think that there's a consideration that there's a you know knee-jerk reaction to well, she's near your reaction because several days has been terrible for a, a minute now. Um, <laughs> there is a reaction that you're going to want to kind of bench this guy. I think you have to be very confident in whatever option that you're putting in over your lineup that you feel very secure that if that person goes out and does nothing for you and Stefan days goes off, you're not going to sit there and beat yourself up all summer long. So for me, it's a guy that I probably, Probably will play because Stefan Diggs is one of those money guys that can score 30 points. And one thing I've learned with the Bills this year and 2023 in general, whatever doesn't make sense to happen is probably going to happen. So we saw the Bills is basically look putrid in offense. They're probably going to drop 70 this week. Stefan Diggs will have four touchdown catches. So that's why I don't, I don't have any logic necessarily to say that you should do it because logic hasn't always applied this season. I just say that Stefan Diggs is not a guy that I feel confident that I would, you know, want to definitely bench for no reason at all. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's why he's my top 20. Am I reflecting the fact that he's in a terrible, terrible slump and you can't expect a wide receiver one performance out of him this week? Yes, 100%. At the same time, he's Stephon Diggs. We know what kind of superstar he is. His quarterback's still Josh Allen. This should still be a good offense on paper. And for that reason, he's still going to probably crack my lineup. But I understand questioning it. And depending upon your options... You know, it may be a real question. So send those questions in, just like well, fitness. And Dan, real quick, and what have you done to get here? I mean, did you play Stefan? Have you played Stefan Stefan Diggs the last few weeks? Because if you haven't, you've gotten away with it, then you know you're you're you can kind of play that card where like, hey, let's keep going with what I've been doing. Well, I, ha- I definitely haven't played Stefan. I-, I don't know who that no, is. I messed up with <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. We got Adam Larue in the building. Adam, what's going on, man? 
What's up? How's it going? Good. Good to have you. How about we help out Finn here? Uh, he's asking Garrett Wilson Thursday night, or would you hold off and play either Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, if Jordan Addison's inactive in that game against Green Bay on Sunday? Sunday night, actually. Oof, that's tough. Um, uh, I want to go just with Garrett Wilson, um, but it's tough just not knowing because if I knew, if I was confident that it would be Addison, I would want to go that route. I just really don't want to get stuck with KJ Osborne is where it kind of boils down to for me. So I'd just rather go with the guaranteed better player on Thursday night. Uh, but it, it is tough in that offense going with, with Garrett Wilson. So I hear you. It's a good question. It, it, it look, I get it because KJ Osborne went off last week. So everybody's asking a question. I was like, okay, well, there needs to be another pass catcher, right? There's going to be no TJ Hawkinson this week. Uh, maybe no Jordan Addison. The target consolidation goes around Justin Jefferson and possibly KJ Osborne, who has had blow up performances in the past. I think even last year, if I'm remembering correctly, he was one of like, if you picked him up and play him, he was actually one of like the league winners in week 17 for championship weeks, like this time last year, uh, which is kind of weird when you think about it. But I am not. I don't think Jordan Addison is going to play. We'll be back tomorrow at 930 with Brian Scott to get into more detail about the odds of him playing. I right now am not reading this as if Jordan Addison is going to play. And I would rather just stick with Garrett Wilson, who I know is getting volume, even in a tougher matchup, than take the chance on KJ Osborne coming through for me in a big pitch. And I do have it ranked as such. And I have it, KJ Osborne. I do have him as a flex play. He's not too far behind Garrett Wilson, uh, but still behind him. And that's with the idea that Addison's not going to play. So that ranking would already kind of be updated there. All right. So who are the quarterback is, by the way. Well, that's that's the other part of this. We don't know if it's Nick Mullins. We don't know if it's Josh Dobbs. They even said Jaron Hall. Like We have no idea who the quarterback is. I, I have to assume Nick Mullins gets one more crack at this, but Kevin O'Connell's proven before in the past that he's got no problem moving on. So it, it, it does become a serious question from that. It's a good, good point by you, Chris. We don't know who the quarterback is. Adam, as you could tell, we were talking about the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And uh, I mean, unless <laughs> here's a good question for you, Adam, and this will wrap up. Well, actually, I take that back. It's not going to quite wrap up the Buffalo Bills, but uh, Gabe Davis, the goose egg man himself, comes through with a huge performance this past week. You going to roll those dice? You're going to take that chance? Are you going to feel that lucky? Probably not. But it it's again, I, I, I put him in the same vein as uh, I, I do a Taysom Hill. So if I'm not confident that I'm getting 10 points out of my guy, then I may as well gamble is kind of how I typically feel with those types of guys. Uh, the difference is, is the position uh, that I'm much more likely to have or to be able to acquire on waivers, a wide receiver or a running back or a flex guy that I can expect 10 points from than I am necessarily a tight end on a week to week basis, which is why Taysom Hill gets a little bit more run. Um Unless I'm desperate, desperate, you know, like a dynasty league type of situation where waiver wire is super thin, there's just nobody I could reasonably expect more than five points from that I'm probably not playing Gabe Davis. Um, but if you got to gamble, you got to gamble. Yeah, I mean, I got, I'm at wire receiver 41. I'm not taking the chance here. It's Gabe Davis. He went off last week. That means he's almost guaranteed to goose egg you this week. This is kind of how it's worked. But because you're saying that. <laughs> I, I know. I know because I'm saying I'm going to rub in the face, but you made an excellent point. Wide receiver, there's a better chance of finding an option. Noah Brown was still available in more than 50% of leagues. He was on my waiver wire ranking graphic that we posted up. If you can find a Noah Brown or a type like that, 
you should be going to pick him up and playing him over Gabe Davis. So there's Anyone with projected over 10 you're, or 10 or better, you're playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Let's wrap things up on Buffalo side and we get short and sweet with the Patriots side. Uh, Dalton Kincaid is still, is still, and this is hilarious. I need, a, I need a laugh out loud button or something. He's still being ranked as a top 12 tight end in ECR. Still. What? I got him at 28. I want. I just went for broke. I, I ranked him at 17, 18, 19 the last three weeks. I'm like, he doesn't get the ball. Dawson. This week, I'm like, you know, screw this. I'm going to him at 28. Like, he just shouldn't be on your radar is the point that I'm making with that. I, I, 12. 12. Chris, help me out. 12. There is no and help. You keep going to me on Dalton Kincaid week in, week out. I and I mean, it. I keep I love it. since I've since I've been putting on, on I, I'm seeing <laughs> what I've been seeing. I don't think he's priority on the offense. So if we can't figure out how to get Stefan Diggs a priority in the offense, the ball, I'm not trusting Dalton Kincaid in my now not up in championship week. Yeah, played 42 percent of the snaps. He has seven yards in the last two games. What like what are we doing? Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold is better oh. than that. <laughs> the, the, the problem is Dawson Knox. The problem is Dawson Knox. He's he's not getting the ball enough. He's just how it works. Anyway. All right. So New England, this won't take long. Ezekiel Elliott, we have confirmation. Adam might have missed it. I went off my little, I hate you, Belichick, for waiting this long to put Ramondre Stevens on the IR spiel. Uh, but Ezekiel Elliott is the man. I got him at top 20. Don't love the matchup. Don't care. He's getting all the volume in the world. You block him in as an RB2. That's kind of how my, my model is on that. I think the only other question would be if Hunter Henry can play, are you considering him? I have him at tight end 14, which puts him in that area. But there's a lot of good tight ends this week. There's been a lot of good tight ends this year. And I think you might have a lot of better options on your hands than waiting to fi- find out if Hunter Henry is going to be available. But what do you got, Adam? Would you play him? I mean, I'd sure play him over Dalton Kincaid. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> but no, they use him so much around the red zone that uh, I I think he has a lot of upside. Once you get into the streaming top streaming option category, I think he's up there. The problem uh, is just kind of you know waiting on that game. Um, so if you have someone that you're you know thinking about over him uh and they play earlier i'd go ahead with that other option um but again he's one of those guys who who can get you two touchdowns of that position and that can win you a week in a very important week so yeah keep keep those options open but we'll see i do still don't know him as a starting guy yet all right with that let's go to our next match <laughs> Atlanta Falcons taking on Chicago Bears. Taylor Heineke got the Falcons off and scored 29 points last week. Uh, Adam, I got a bone to pick with your team, bud, because uh, they might single-handedly keep Arthur Smith's job. What, what, what the hell? Like, you're screwing all of us. Like, I, I know it hurt you as a Colts fan, but the rest of us, I mean, you're really screwing the rest of us more so than Colts fans right now with that loss. Like, that, that's just killing us. Like, the fact that you might single-handedly Keep Arthur Smith's job because you were that terrible against the Atlanta Falcons and Taylor Heineke. Like what? What? What the hell? You got him on the phone? What's What's going on? We already got one mediocre coach's job this year. We can't do another. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it's just that's that's a lame, <laughs> lame, lame excuse, man. <laughs> Raiders knocked out two. You can knock out two. Okay. Well, clearly Jeez. not. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> I don't want to watch it. I love Drake London. I don't want to watch this anymore. 
I just I have to pray to lose last next two games. Go let's go let's go Bears. Let's go Bears. They're they're favoring this game. They're at home minus three thirty seven and a half over under. Uh, Atlanta's only got five wins against the spread, and they have been awful for the most part on the road. I am in fact going to take the Bears to cover in this game, who are also playing much better football as of late in their own right. All right, fantasy wise, you got Fields. You're playing him. Bijan, you got him. You're playing him. I know. He had touches last week, which means he probably won't see the ball like this week, but you got to play him anyway. I got him as an RB1. Uh, DJ Moore, if he's healthy, which it sounds like he is, you're going to be playing him. And those are your must plays. Cole Komet dealing with the knee issue. We'll have to see if he's available. If he is, I do have him inside as a top 12 tight end. That pretty much does it for the Bears as far as those players goes or the fantasy must must plays in this one. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say Jake London. I didn't say Kyle Pitts. And I sure as hell didn't say a Chicago Bears running back. Chris, there's one thing here I learned this weekend is that Chicago's stupid. Just as stupid as Arthur Smith is when it comes to usage. You have Donta Foreman, who you're not tied to past this year. And he's going to be gone. You have Cleo Herbert, who you inherited, you didn't go get, and you've shown no faith consistently at any point in time since you've been there. You draft Roshan Johnson. Donta Foreman finally goes out with whatever personal matter he was dealing with. He was back today practicing in full, so it sounds like he's going to be back this week anyway. And Cleo Herbert reports have been that he you know, didn't have explosiveness with a hop the high ankle sprain. So you think against the Arizona Cardinals, this is the time. This is the time to let Roshan Johnson get his work. And what do you do? You go right back to Khalil Herbert. So you want to know what I learned this week? That no matter what the situation, the Bears' backfield, Roshan's number two. Herbert might be number three. He might be number one. Foreman might be number three. He might be number one. But no matter what, Roshan's number two. Not at all ranting because of a personal matter. (sighs) Go ahead, Chris. I would love to get your take on this. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think playing anybody in the Chicago backfield is basically like taking a number two. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that you're, I don't think you're happy to necessarily trust anybody. I hear what you're saying, Dan, but unfortunately this is people playing for their jobs in Chicago. And a lot of things you were seeing a lot of quarterbacks being pivoted. Jacoby Brissett's going to play this week. Uh, you know, Tony Cutlass is getting benched with Tyrod Taylor for what, for who we don't know, but because it's, you play to win the game as you know, we've been reminded of Herm Edwards many times. Um, that's what I think a lot of coaches are just trying to look at. I, I don't think there's a guy to trust versus Atlanta because Atlanta's defense has been really good versus running backs in general. With the guys that kind of you talked about, it could be any of those three. I'm not trusting anybody in my lineup this week for Chicago's backfield. Well, especially not with all three of them active, and that's what it's looking like it's going to be. Uh, on the Falcons' side, Adam, the only question mark we have really is, is Drake London because I'm not, I'm not taking a chance to Kyle Pitts. Again, there's other tight ends to be able to go to. Um, Drake London's the guy that can we play him? Wide receiver 34. Easter's got him at 31. So I have him as a flex option heading this week. Wasn't a great showing this past week. Chicago's been very, very good defensively, especially with wide receivers over the past two months. So where are you at on Drake London? <clears throat> I think a flex play is about right. Uh I, I think it's a decent enough matchup just in the, you know, they're gonna run a lot of softer stuff. Uh they're gonna it's an athletic defense and that's kind of what you've seen. And that front seven is, is really good. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to see a lot of zone uh, in Drake London, I think is kind of built for that. And Heineke is kind of built for that. Like he's the perfect quarterback kind of for what Eberflus likes to do. Um, <clears throat> that's the type of quarterback that when he, when he was the Colts DC would always dice up the Eberflus defense. So 
that's like the one thing uh, going for it. Um, but to have any confidence in that Atlanta offense to go any past a, a flex play. And to your point, the Bears defense has been really good. Um, so maybe they'll, they'll steam something up a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a little reason for confidence enough to, you know, not necessarily have him on the bench regardless of the situation. Uh, but, it, you know, you don't don't feel forced to play him either. Because you draft yeah. Him whatever. Can I jump in real quick, Dan? I'll sure. play Drake. I wouldn't play Drake London this week, but I would play Kyle Pitts for Chicago. So take me through that. Why 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 are you be so confident, Kyle Pitts? Did you have him? I'm not so part? confident, but if I had the choices, of, I'm not so confident in anybody in Atlanta passing game. So let's not get it too twisted, real quick. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not even that confident as you have Bijan one. I think Bijan's got a, a decent option, but Chicago's run defense has been really good this year, especially as of late. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. I'm you know I look at this Atlanta offense. I think they can score basically what they have to score. So I'm not very confident in anybody necessarily passing attack. But when I look at the last few weeks, I've seen Kyle Pitts be more involved in this offense. I haven't heard Janu Smith be talked about in the show in weeks. But Kyle Pitts has consistently been a guy who's been kind of, you know, being more involved. And we look for tight ends, as Adam alluded to, looking for guys who maybe can get you some upside or has some kind of floor. And Kyle Pitts has been a guy who's been kind of been doing that quietly this last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was an okay performance, I guess, relatively speaking out of him last week, but it was still a tight end two performance. They just held Trey McBride, who's been on fire uh, in check last week, too. Uh, as far as Bijan goes, you're, you're counting on Taylor Heineke continuing his check down to the running back ways uh, as far as that's where he gets to sustain his, his, his floor value. But I hear you on that, too. Um, any other notes on this, guys? All right, let's go. <laughs> Raiders, Colts, Raiders are just just bringing it to everybody in the league now under Antonio Pierce. Just balling his eyes out if they beat Kansas City. Like, I think he's balling his eyes out because he knows he needed that one to get his job. Because I'm I'm pretty sure that's what sealed the deal for him to get his job. That that's what I think anyway. Uh, Raiders right now we're still dealing with Josh Jacobs and the quad issue. We'll have to get into that tomorrow. Michael Pittman still dealing with the concussion issue, still in concussion protocol. And with him, as we saw, you know. Even if he does practice, it doesn't necessarily mean anything because that's what happened last week. I mean, he was cleared, and all of a sudden, the next day, he was not cleared. So those are things that we're going to have to watch throughout the week. The Colts are at home and favored in this game at minus three with a 43-and-a-half over-under. Raiders only have five games on the over this year, and if the Colts don't have Michael Pittman, I am looking to cash on the under at that 43 and a half in this game coming up, especially with these defenses has played, well, I should say, the way the Raiders defense has played and the way the Raiders offense on the flip side has also played, which has not been great. Uh, so I am looking for the under there from a fantasy standpoint, Jonathan Taylor he's obviously in your lineup comes in, gets his full workload. Maybe doesn't look like his dominant self just yet, but was an RB one. Nonetheless, if Josh Jacobs plays, he's in your lineup. If Josh Jacobs doesn't play, then Zamir White's in your lineup. I, I think it's really just as simple as that. There's nothing else really complicated to it. Same thing with Michael Pittman. If he's out there, you got to have him in there. Chris, let's have a conversation about Devontae Adams because I got him at wide receiver 21. So I'm still telling you to play him. It's an easier match against the Colts, especially for perimeter wide receivers. But dear God, when you get a one catch for your performance the week before, if you actually survived Devontae Adams, one catch, one catch for your performance week before, are you going to look at yourself in the mirror and say, all right, I'm going to go back to the well here? I mean, 
as you alluded to, definitely a way better matchup. McDuffie's been lights out, or not McDuffie. Um, well, he's been good too, but the other corner, Sneed, yeah, the lights out all week, all season long, especially on number one receivers. So it's not something that hasn't been seen. You did see a good target share for Adams. The problem for overall, as you alluded to, is the Raiders, you know, passing attack was putrid after that first quarter. I think they basically completed one or two passes the entire None. rest of the game. Zero, Chris. Or zero. So, so there we go. Zero so, passes last three quarters. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of hard to replicate versus, uh, the you know, Colts defense that's not that good. Um, so I do think Devontae Adams is a guy that I would still play. I think that I'm actually excited this week because I think maybe it justifies having him on my team this week because I'm like, yay, I finally get a matchup where he gets an opportunity to be involved, and I don't expect this to be a blowout for the Raiders necessarily. So I do think there's a good chance for Devontae Adams to be a guy that you want to have in your lineup. I mean, Adam, I want you to chime in here on the Devontae Adams thing too, but also on the flip side, if Michael Pittman is out Right now, Josh Dorns, Josh Dorns, Josh Downs at wide receiver 40. He would move inside my top 36. He had nine targets last week, even though he didn't have a big fantasy performance. Uh, but I probably still would have him as a flex option if Pittman is out. So let me get your Devontae Adams and Josh Downs and Pittman uh, lines here. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, a low end two for Devontae makes sense. I think it, it kind of as we've echoed in a couple spots so far today, uh, and I'm sure you had before I got on as well. He, if he's one of the guys that you've you know rode with to get here and somehow survived last week, you're probably trotting him right back out there because it's Devontae Adams, and that's just kind of what you do. Um, the slumps. It's not like he's had the Stephon Diggs slump. Um, you know, he, he had a touchdown the week before. Uh, and this defense is probably a lot closer to the one of the Chargers than it is to the one of the Chiefs, um, especially when it comes to the perimeter corner. When it comes to Josh Downs, I, I definitely think I agree, although this Raiders defense has been really good and it's been very, uh, you know, I, I guess, unpredictable. They, they do a lot of different things. Um, and f- for Gardner Minshew, maybe that's a little scary. Um, that being said, Gardner Minshew played well against uh, the Ravens defense, and they do a, a lot of similar things in regards to being very unpredictable with coverages and very unpredictable with um, you know where the pass rush is coming from. So... All of that to say, Josh Downs is probably a bottom of the barrel flex option, but a flex option nonetheless, uh, just because I'd struggle to get a, a real good read on what the Colts offense could be. Some some weeks it seems like they can comfortably drop 30. Some weeks getting to 10 seems like a, a hassle. <laughs> the Raiders defense is, is feisty, but not quite, you know, infallible. So if, to me, for me to have a strong, strong read on you know that part of this equation, I'm not really sure. But Josh Downs will definitely be the leading target if uh, if Pittman's not out there. Now, I think that's the key there. Uh, you get, you, again, you're going to ask yourself, you know, what your options are, what you're what you're looking at. But for guys who maybe lost Jalen Waddle this week, um, or can have continued to try to have a carousel to replace a Keenan Allen or, or or Jamar Chase or or something along those lines, he's another guy like a Noah Brown that I mentioned earlier. By the way, I would play Noah Brown over Josh Downs even if Michael Pittman's out, just in case you're wondering. But he's another guy who's been widely available in leagues, and we'll have the volume to back it up if Michael Pittman can't go again this week. Which honestly, with the way how things went down last week, I'd be kind of surprised if we saw Michael Pittman this week. Josh Allen's a good replacement for Michael Pittman. So it's options out there depending upon what situation that you're in. Uh, you guys got any other notes you want to get into for this game? Or... Yeah. 
We have the Rams taking on the New York Giants, the newly Tyrod Taylor-led New York Giants. Thank God there's no more Tommy DeVito. Jeez Louise. All right. So, yeah, we get we can get into this game here a little bit. The Rams are favored at six and a half points. It is going to be in New York. The over-under set at 42. The Rams an 8-5-2 against the spread this year. And they've been really red fire as of late. I do expect them to cover minus six and a half in this game against the Giants uh, this upcoming week. Matthew Stafford. I think I was a top five quarterback this week. I think this Martindale offense or defense, I should say, is a great matchup for Stafford because it's one-on-ones all day long. He knows how to get the ball out of his hands quite quickly. Uh, so I think Stafford's actually going to have a very, very good game in this one. You got to play Saquon Barkley. You're playing Kyron Williams. You got to love the wide receivers, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup. I have a little note here about Cup, Chris, because uh, ECR's got him down at wide receiver 17. Uh, let, let's, let's not forget, and I know this is Thursday and we've had the holiday and you know it seems like a lifetime ago. Let's not forget Cooper Cup dropped two touchdowns in the in that Thursday night game. It would have been a much different outcome for Cooper Cup. So I am still expecting wide receiver one level output here against the Giants. Are you do you or do you think this is more concerning or it is Puka time? I think that he might be the alpha like the Puka might be have become. That's concerning in a sense. But to your point, Dan, I think you know, I'm not worried about Cooper Cup's matchup versus the Giants. He did have a disappointing game in a sense that he did drop two touchdown passes. Didn't have the huge yardage, but you've been more involved that you're going to get something out of cup one way or another. So I think touchdowns return, if not the yards return, I alluded to big plays to be made versus Giants team, especially on one-on-one coverages. So I think who cup gets return back to a guy in the top 20 this week. Adam, on the Giants side, there's nobody you want to play. And if you're only if you're in a dark, dark situation, like even wide receiver wise, some people might look at Darius Slate and I would say, well, look, Jalen Hyatt just as easy to be the guy who catches a bomb. Tyra Taylor let it fly. That's the good news. He'll, he'll fly to somebody, but doesn't necessarily have to be Slayton. We just know Wandale gets left out. The question I have to you is when it comes to Darren Waller, if you've been having Darren Waller, you've been having problems at tight end, you're hoping for a reason to play him. I think you feel better about it that you have Tyrod out there. I do have him as a top 15 tight end, not necessarily my top 12, though. Do you think there's any chance Darren Waller bounces back this week? I think there's a chance. Look, the performance hasn't necessarily been there, but they've tried uh, to make an effort to get him involved whenever he's been out there and healthy. I know this is, you know, he he just got back. um, So it hasn't been necessarily, you know, as much as it was before. Uh, But this is kind of their big signing and kind of to the point earlier, why is Tyrod playing? It's because we're playing for jobs here. We're playing for wins. We're playing to impress for the season. This was the the signing that everyone in the Giants was – you know, hyping up to, to come into the season. I thought it was silly. I think we've seen enough of Darren Waller getting hurt every six games to not necessarily worry about that. But nonetheless, that's this was a piece that they hung their hat on. So I think that there's going to be an emphasis on it, um, you know, again, for, just for the sake of the, the staff. I'm just saying, like Saquon too. Like you're gonna play Saquon regardless, but at least when you actually play your best players at quarterback, everybody has a chance. Just saying. Stable. Uh, any other notes you guys got for this one? Well, what's I think we have to have the conversation on Demarcus Robinson, do we not? We we can. Uh look, yes, Demarcus Robinson very good. Tutu Atwell came back and Demarcus Robinson still held on to his role. So yes, he's not going anywhere from that standpoint. I do have Demarcus Robinson ranked more as a wide receiver forward, though, because I think it took Cooper Cup not catching those two touchdowns for him to have the opportunity 
to be relevant last week. I think he's got just a chance to Gabe Davis you, let's say, uh, than anything else. But what was your take here? I, I don't necessarily disagree. I just think that it at least bears having the conversation when he's had a touchdown in four straight games. He plays pretty much every snap. He runs pretty much every route. So and in a game where we we do believe that Stafford, you know, can put up big numbers just given, you know, a, a lot of pressure coming his way and him being able to get the ball out quickly. Um, you know, if you're desperate for a flex option, there's definitely worse. Um, I, I agree probably in the forties the is fair. You know, it's probably more of a desperation play, but again, he's gotten in the end zone four games in a row. Um, he's been heavily targeted all but one of those. I mean, I always love him DFS, especially with the role yeah. that he has. I, I think that's probably him. more of where you're looking for him, but I, I just felt like it was at least worth the, the you know, the conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris, what do you think about the Marcus Robinson? Yeah, I know what Alex a great point is a guy to consider. My concern is that the, the Rams have to throw the ball enough to kind of make sure they involved in Robinson this week. I think this the Rams team should be able to take care of the Giants. I think they're gonna to look to try to, you know, get this game over quickly if they can and look to maximize that running attack if they were able to do so. So I'm more concerned the Giants actually scoring the points and push the pressure on the Rams to you know involve all the receivers. I think he's a flex option. I'm more actually more inclined to play Darius Slayton this week and the upside than I would be to play Demarcus Robinson. Okay, there you go. Slayton versus Robinson. Let's see how that one goes down. Let's go to our next matchup. The Arizona Cardinals are heading to the East Coast to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are favored in this game, minus 11 with a 49 over under. As much based on the way that these two teams have been playing as I would like to take the Cardinals to cover here as an underdog pick. I, I can't, I, I can't do it. I, I know the Eagles have struggled offensively. I know we've talked about them getting get right games the last couple of weeks, especially against the Giants last week. It didn't really quite happen. They should be able to handle Arizona. If they don't handle Arizona, even if they win against Arizona, but they don't handle Arizona. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put it on here right here, right now. Eagles will be one and out of the playoffs if they can't blow out the Arizona Cardinals by at least two scores. I'm just, just going to put that out there right now. They will be one and done in the playoffs. If they can't handle these, this team by two scores right now. Because I will say this, I, just watching them right now, it does look a little dysfunctional in Philadelphia. Just, and, and just, I know I'm talking about during the game. During the game looks dysfunctional too. But it, like even after the game, you got Nick Serrini, you know, he was like breathing like a, a breath of like relief. But he's like, ooh, yeah, I love we got the win. It wasn't pretty, but hey, man, we got the win. We finally got the job done. We got off a losing streak. Like, he seemed happy. And then you talk to Jalen Hurts, talk to Devonta Smith, talk to A.J. Brown. Everybody else is pissed off. <laughs> like, no, none of the players seem happy about that. There seems to be a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players right now, on the field and off. I don't, I'm, I would love to get your guys' thoughts on this real quick. I, I, I think that – sorry, I got him. I was going to say, I think for one, it is just like you get off of a losing streak, and I think that resents the mental. So the players, obviously, they can't come out and just rest on their laurels. That's an awful look, but I can definitely understand the relief to a to a degree. Um, but kind of to your point, I mean, let's not mince words. They run a high school offense, like at best, like a, a non-complicated high school offense. I've... You know, when I played in high school, there were more complicated offenses in our area. Like, uh, so I could definitely also understand a lot of frustration from players. Your head coach is an offensive coach; he was brought in to help the offense. So when 
when that's the case, you see him, you know, sigh, have a sigh of relief after a win. And, you know, like you probably should have beat the Giants by a lot more than that. Their offense didn't necessarily play super great against the Giants. I, I, I definitely there could be something there, but it could just be as simple as it's a bad look if the players rest on their laurels. But you're going to be naturally like, finally, we can put this skid to bed. Who is that, Chris? Well, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if I think it, it, there was a whole lot of change that I saw for the Eagles this past week of, you know, progress in the sense of the co- between the coaching staff and the players. I do think there was things that happened in this game that are more just concerning in the sense, not, 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 I say, say, back up real quick, not as concerning to me as maybe some of the things that are talk, people were talking about. Boston Scott ran up somebody's butt and fumbled the ball. There was a lot of stupid plays the Eagles had in that game. They actually, when they were paying attention in the first half, when they were actually applying some things, when they were being physical, they were, they were able to dominate that Giants offense. They almost let it out of the cat out of the bag. The big thing to me that stood out to me is that the, the Matt Patricia defensive experiment isn't going to make a whole lot of difference in change. So, so I think that's the key thing is this defense is going to, you know, not players on both sides. I feel like they think they're not dictating and I, we've had this question before since Nick Serini's got this coaching job. He's got a lot of kudos, but also we've seen a lot of adaptation from what they tried to do when he first got there to what they became when they went on the Super Bowl run to now back to what they seemed to try to do in the beginning, you know, when he first got the job of being a team that had a very vanilla offense, very predictable defense, played a lot of soft zone. So these are all things the players revolted against before, Dan. So I think revolt Philadelphia might be listened to because that quarterback's making $50 million. A lot of players have got some clout that ain't going anywhere. So I think there's going to be some attention being paid to that coaching staff as well this offseason. Yeah, I just think there's a little bit of disconnect. That's all. But anyway, getting back to the fantasy side of this, you're obviously you're going to play Jalen Hurts. Uh, you're going to play Swift. You're going to play James Conner. It's just I have a little notes next to them just because it's funny to me that uh, I'm still playing DeAndre Swift, but ECR has got him ranked as a running back nine. I know it's a great match against Arizona, but they still give the ball a lot to Kenneth Gainwell. A lot of times they forget to run the ball at all, even though they should be running the ball more often. So I just, you know, just a little simmer back on the expectations. And on the flip side of that, I'm the opposite when it comes to James Conner. ECR has got him at 24, got him at 16. Uh, what we saw last week without Marquise Brown is that James Conner's allowed to get back involved in the passing game again. The Eagles have not been nearly as dominant against the running backs over the past couple of weeks, <clears throat> Matt Patricia. And, and if James Conner is going to get involved in the passing game, then I think he's a very, very solid RB too. So that's kind of just where I'm at on that. I don't know if you guys you know, have anything to rebuttal to th- those notes. I think they're pretty straightforward. But I will take your signs as a no. Uh, A.J. Brown, obviously, we're playing him. Devonta Smith, you still got to keep trucking him out there. I know, and, and Giles Goddard too. And I get it with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. The problem they have is they eat too much into each other, especially that upside. Uh, Adam, to your point, you run the high school offense. That means you're not mixing guys up to get them necessarily involved and get them out in space and get them out in different directions of the field. They don't make you cover from side to side like you probably should with these weapons. But overall, at the end of the day, you got to play him. And Trey McBride, of course, he's been a stud, and you're going to have to play him too. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You guys got any other notes you want to get into this game with Arizona? I, I guess Kyler Murray. I forgot to mention him. So, Adam, would you play Kyler Murray? I do have him as QB 11. ECR's got him at 13. It's kind of that borderline situation here. Yeah, I would. Uh, the passing is still really iffy, but look, they're a team that 
finds themselves in garbage time more often than not. And he's a quarterback that can use his legs to get some points that way. So you combine those two things. And I think it's kind of hard to at least keep him out of your top 12. Um, there's certainly better options out there. And if, if you're playing for the championship, it's more likely than not that you have one of those better options. But uh, nonetheless, is he a top 12? I would say so. Yeah, I, I like that. That's, that's where I'm at in line, too. I have no reservation about playing him. Anything else you want to get into? Nope. Okay, let's go to our next one. We got the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one, an, a, an NFC South a divisional rival matchup, and the Buccaneers could put a cap on this division with this game. The Buccaneers are favored here at minus two and a half at home with a 42 and a half over under. The Bucs have been 10 and five against the spread, while the Saints have been 4, 10, and one, and the Bucs just look like the better team right now. I am taking the Bucks as one of my lock bets of the week at minus two and a half. Chris, you can wipe that smirk off your face. I know, I know. I hate on Baker Mayfield all the time. Just wipe it off your face. I hate you. I'm caving around. All right, I'm caving. Leave me alone. Baker Mayfield, by the way, QB 13. So he's one of my top streamers of the week. Don't have him quite inside my top 12 just yet, but with no Marshawn Lattimore still for the Saints, that secondary is not the same. And he has a streaming option depending upon your your whatever your options are. Uh, Rashad White, Al Kamara, you're going to have to play these guys. Rashad White, top three running back for me this week, believe it or not. Kamara still cracks my top 10, even though I am a little bit nervous. Like Tampa Bay's got their defense back. And I talked about this last week too, when they headed into, uh, when it headed to matchup uh, this past week, and I don't know why all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank on who they just played, but one of the reasons why it wasn't as big was because, well, guess what? Tampa Bay Buccaneers have their defensive guys back. Now, Carlton Davis is out. That's one thing they're missing, but they're not missing anybody on the front now anymore. More importantly, Vita Vey. So, Chris, does Alvin Kamara get back on track here a little bit in your mind? I'm not just worried about Tampa Bay's defense getting healthy. I'm worried about the scenes going back to freaking they have Alvin Kamara in their backfield again because I think he got what eight touches last week, nine touches. He wasn't involved in the passing game. He got six carries. I mean, they didn't run the ball for the majority of the game. Now, I know they fell behind, but there's no guarantee they're not going to fall behind again in this game because it's been something the Saints consistently do. Um, I, I, I'm very concerned about Alvin Kamara, Dan, because, I mean, I have definitely situations where I have that choice, and I, I'm not necessarily excited about it because where we had that great volume, or we had that great floor, I should say, between the volume and the passing attack, we haven't seen that the last few weeks, and as a result, with different guys eating into his playing time in the backfield and just not running the ball in general, I do have concerns about his upside this week. Yeah, I mean, well, you have five catches last week for a whopping 19 yards, so it didn't really help you at all. The Rams have been very good against running backs as of late, but that's kind of the point with Tampa Bay is that when they're back and healthy, this hasn't been a defense that's been good for running backs either. I just don't know how many better options or how many running backs are going to be more high-volume possibilities that you're going to have available to you in your lineup the Nava Kamara, which is kind of why he wanted to still being a RB1 in my book, a low and RB1 at that, though. I don't know as confident as ECR is, but I, I think all those concerns are warranted, Chris. Like, I'm not going into this game expecting upside out of Kamara. So maybe that changes your mind, depending upon your lineup situations. 
I mean, that, that's it's fair. Uh, Mike Evans, top five receiver for me. Chris Olave in the top 10, especially Carlson Davis is out. But regardless, he's getting tons and tons of volume. We're getting more confidence in Chris Godwin, Adam. He comes in as a top flex play for me. I got him at wide receiver uh, 26, even coming off of a knee issue where we thought maybe he would actually miss. Even a game in which Mike Evans has two touchdowns, Godwin suddenly is starting to find a rhythm. What are you seeing? Yeah, no, I agree. I think he, over the last month or so, has become like a real part of this offense after just giving you eight points, eight points, eight points, six points, eight points. <laughs> he, he has a Good real job role. Life, by can, the way. Yeah, great <laughs> on her. Uh, but no, he has a real role. It, it does seem like the offense is very clearly like has an identity, and it's let's get the ball to Mike Evans, let's get the ball to Chris Godwin, let's get the ball to Rashad White, and everyone else can maybe get the ball here and there, and that's that, that's perfect because those are their their good players. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm firing him up in confidence where I have him, which is in one of my championship leagues, and and I, I'm not going to have any regrets with having played him. Yeah, but and, and just to throw it out there, he did get 100 yards the first time they uh, met, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, how about the wives for the wide receivers? Tyree Kill's wife, Chris Godwin's wife. Go, go wives. Get, get these fancy assets. Get them, get them in gear. We, we need them in gear for our championship runs, for sure. Taylor, uh, take notes. Yeah, Taylor, take Exactly. Taylor, take notes, because it's now your turn to get Travis Kelsey going. Uh, Rashid Shahid, he's a dark throw in, in my book. ECR's got him all the way up at wide receiver 39. I know he had a big play last week. I still got him at wide receiver 51. This is still a guy who's very hit or miss. It's not something I'm going to trust. And I still look at Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill and, and really the same matter. Juwan Johnson coming on a little bit more as of late. I think there's other tight ends that are a lot better ma- that have a lot better matchups and are a lot better in their situations than Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill this week. So I'm not playing any one of those guys. You guys got any other notes you want to get into? I will say, Dan, you know, Taysom Hill was, didn't, definitely didn't do anything last week, but why definitely lead towards Jawan Johnson if I'm going to play tight end this week? Because of the man coverage that you're going to see versus Tampa Bay, the man coverage is going to give you opportunities for some big plays. And you've seen Jawan Johnson and Derek Carr have a pretty good connection. So I do think that's a guy that I would look for as an opportunity if I was trying to play one of the tight ends. I, I, I do agree with that take as well. All right, let's go to our next game. <laughs> Just real quick, I really hope that the Buccaneers pull that one out because I would hate to see any other NFC South team in the playoffs. Oh, good God, yeah. Dude, like, it's... At it's, least Tampa Bay will be, like, watchable. I want chaos. I want them all to lose out. <laughs> I want them all to lose out. Like, the, AFC, the AFC South and the NFC South, I just want chaos. <laughs> Uh, you might get it in the AFC South, but yeah, the NFC South feels like it should get clamped down by Tampa Bay this week. I, I'm with Adam on this one, though. I, I don't want to see anybody else in the NFC South go to the playoffs at all. I don't want to watch anybody else. At least Tampa Bay, to your point, is watchable with the wide receivers that they have. All right, so our next game we're talking about is San Fran and Washington. Brock Purdy practicing full today. He'll be good to go, so nothing to worry about there. On the on the Washington side, we do have Brian Robinson. We're still waiting for him to get back to practice, and Chris Rodriguez looking very, very iffy after taking the lead in the backfield last week dealing with the ankle issue. San Fran's coming into this game favored at minus 13 and a half. So a big line here with a 49 over under. Both teams have had their majority of their games go over 
this year. Uh, Washington, most because their defense is horrible. Their offense has been able to put up points at some, at some points this year. Uh, in San Francisco, we know what they've been offensively when they're not playing the Baltimore Ravens. I am locking in the over in this game at 49. Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that from a standpoint of I'm super happy to go get Jacoby Brissett because I'm not, and I wouldn't play him unless you're in two quarterback leagues. But what I will say is it gives guys like Terry McLaurin fighting chances here. The guys might have a pulse, even in a tough match against San Francisco. I got McLaurin as a high-end wide receiver three at wide receiver 27 this week, meaning he'd probably crack my flex territory. Chris, what do you think about Terry McLaurin this week? Are you taking that chance? I would be taking that chance. I do like to match up with Brissett, and I do think that it's kind of you've seen the last two weeks and Brissett's come in. McLaurin all of a sudden had a huge jump. Why? Jacoby Brissett actually has a good strong arm, isn't one he's willing to use it. A veteran quarterback that can read defenses, and I think you see the matchup work very well for Terry McLaurin. So I think he's a play as Jacoby Brissett as a quarterback this week. Yeah, and you've seen Washington be able to get back to moving the football again. Shocker. Adam, let's figure out that backfield situation real quick, though. So right now, I don't have this ranked as if Chris Rodriguez is going to play, nor do I have it ranked as if Brian Robinson is going to play, which one would think was what? He was limited today, I think, Brian Robinson. Was he limited? I might have, I might have missed that. We'll have to see. He still has not practiced in a long time, and even if he was limited today, so coming off the hamstring injury. So we'll see how he does. But this is how I have it ranked right now. So if there's no Brian Robinson, if there's no Chris Rodriguez, one would think that would mean it would be Antonio Gibson gets the full workload, right? Um, But I would put this out there. Chris, even if Brian Robinson doesn't come back, maybe he does. uh, Jonathan Williams, who they put in like a three-man carousel just a couple of weeks ago, he probably will be at least active from his concussion injury. So I don't even know if we could necessarily say, Adam, if Antonio Gibson definitely gets all the work. This is just a weird situation where they just seem to refuse to give him the ball. But if everybody's out, I do have an RB35. Would he crack your flex play this week against San Francisco? I think so, and I, I think the other big part of that for me uh, is that just given uh, the game script you're expecting, Antonio Gibson w- would be the back receiving between him and Williams anyways, I would sure hope. Um, yeah, even if Jonathan Williams kind of breaks in there a little bit, I think it'll be on the ground, and I'm not sure how much you particularly care about that against San Francisco, when, especially San Francisco coming off of an embarrassing loss in – prime time like did this game will be over rather quickly i would i would reckon and will be in garbage time uh by the second half i i I, that's what i my gauge on this game is and as such i have a hard time feeling there's any value in the the you know early down carries yeah i mean that's a logical answer and that's how i have it ranked as well but they have just looked like they've looked for every excuse not to give Antonio Gibson the ball more than they absolutely have to. Um, I think that's all we got to talk about in this game because you're playing all the 49ers. I mean, I got Brock Purdy's top five guy, Antonio, Gip- uh, Antonio Gibson, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, CMC, George Kittle. I mean, like pretty much go down the list. These are all great, great plays against Washington. Adam, to your point, this game might be over in the second half. That might be the only thing that worries you about any of these guys. They might also still get touchdowns by the time the third quarter comes around. That's how bad Washington's defense has been uh so you guys got any other notes you want to add in this game i would put brock Purdy in my lineup and start him this week if i had him is that is that your is that your strong take there well, i'm just saying i Word mean people, people are reluctant after having what four or five interceptions but just ravens might have picked off another one right now 
Um, but I, I think, you know, to everybody's point, we watched the Jets just put up 30 points versus Washington defense. So I think Brock Purdy, to me, is a no-doubt guy that versus kind of getting cute and maybe, you know, pivoting to a different quarterback via Brock Purdy. I think you're definitely playing this week. I mean, I guess I didn't think about that from a fantasy standpoint. There's been a lot of talk, obviously, because of that loss. You know, Lamar Jackson, head and shoulders, and should be, by the way, the MVP should discussion. He? Should he? As well, far as the quarterbacks go. As far as the quarterbacks go, yeah. If it's going to be I a quarterback. I hate that narrative, by the way. But I, I don't disagree with you. I, I'm still in the mindset of, I think it should be CMC or Tyreek Hill. Or if it's going to <laughs> it can't be Trent Williams getting to play all the games. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice argument to make. I'll take it. Uh, either way, the point being is that I don't think it should be a quarterback award this year. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. But the narrative around everything has been Lamar Jackson and, oh, is Brock Purdy just not the guy we thought he was? And, you know, that teaches zone as far as that's all about your expectations as far as what you thought he was to begin with. Never thought he was a superstar. Have a lot of compliments. Very good quarterback for what he gives you. Uh, but I haven't thought about it that narrative, and it does leak over. We've talked about this, especially in our offseason episodes. This comes up quite a bit where that NFL media narrative leaks over in the fantasy world, and all of a sudden you find yourself questioning whether or not you should play a, a guy who's in a great position to get you statistics. Uh, I would think, I would hope that nobody would actually be thinking about benching Purdy, who's been a top five quarterback all season long and outside the Baltimore game has been absolutely on fire. Now, I will say this. I don't know how many teams who had Purdy survived this past week, so that would have taken some effort in and of its own. But if you did, no, I would not be holding back Brock Purdy from my lineup. That wouldn't even cross my mind. But, yeah, I don't – Chris, where did you hear that at? Because I think it's an interesting story. I know, I'm not saying necessarily heard that people were doing it. I just said that's something to kind of keep in mind because, to your point, Dan, people do react to what happens on the field. And I know people who might have got through, you might have sweated it out if you had Brock Purdy, but you're probably sitting there like – I'm not going through that again this week, but you might, you know, pivot real quick instead of getting cute or thinking about some other quarterback who's the flavor of the month or Joe Flacco versus Jets. You're like, wait a minute, let me play the guy who's been awesome and has a great matchup and stick with Brock Purdy. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, good point there. All right, let's go to our next. Game. <laughs> Carolina Panthers taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars might not have Miles Sanders. We'll have to see. He's got an ankle issue he's dealing with. More importantly, we might not have Trevor Lawrence, who's now dealing with a shoulder issue. Uh, look, I, I never count Trevor Lawrence out. Every time we think he's going to miss a game, somehow this guy finds a way to come back and play. With a concussion, knee, ankle, shoulder, doesn't really matter. does seem like he's seriously questionable at the very least heading into this one. Zay Jones, by the way, still waiting for him to kind of come back in the full practice of uh, dealing with his hamstring. Jacksonville is favoring this game by seven points. Uh, if it's not going to be Trevor Lawrence, that line's going to change. So we're not going to have a place a bet here until we know exactly who the quarterback is going to be for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If Lawrence does play, Adam, I still wouldn't start him. Uh, Carolina's been tough. It's been rough on the Jacksonville's offense for a while anyway. Uh, I got my QB 15, so I wouldn't start him even if he is out there. I would wonder what you would do. I would be unlikely to. I think there's situations where it's going to be tough to avoid, especially if you get into like your two QB leagues and whatnot. Um, but definitely yeah, in redraft, game. in redraft, uh, you, you've probably had to think about what your alternative is multiple times this season because there's been a lot of times it's gone down to the wire. Um, my my one kind of you know outside of logic, but 
just going to say it because it comes to mind is that every time he gets hurt and you think he's not going to play, that seems to be the, when he plays his best. Um, but you can't count on that. That's more than likely fluky. Um, but I don't know. Hey, I'm unlikely to play him if I can avoid it. Um, but if he got you here and he plays, then I, I guess you ride with it. No, I don't think there's any way you ride with it. I have there, there. You have so many other better options that I think have been available or might still even be available at the quarterback position with higher upside. Like for instance, I there's no way I'm not playing a Baker Mayfield over him this week. I, I would probably take a shot on Jordan Love, Joe Flacco, Kyler Murray. If we do get confirmation as Nick Mullins, I'd probably play Nick Mullins over uh, Trevor Lawrence this week. It's 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 the magic is Carolina. Like I, I laid out before, this is a legitimate issue against Carolina no matter who the quarterback is no matter no matter what the caliber is and and Lawrence has been so banged up there's no way I'm taking that chance <laughs> that's just where I fall on it Chris what you got over there no I'm with you Dan I just laughed because I thought it was finally where you just shot Adam down like no no Adam definitely no way but um, <laughs> I, I think that I, I think I look at Trevor Lawrence this matchup's not a good matchup but I think Adam does make a fantastic point Trevor Lawrence has played well whenever he's been kind of questionable or come back from that that narrative of him being injured. I think in general, Dan, this game, actually, I think I like the betting aspect of this game where I would take Carolina to be able to cover that spread. I don't think Jacksonville could be anybody by seven points right now. Um, Trevor Lawrence or not. So I think that's something I would definitely be hammering right now if I were, you know, had access to betting. I mean, that's a fair point. I, I, I'm still, if the Trevor Lawrence plays, I can see Jacksonville covering against Carolina minus seven. I'm not buying the recent Carolina push. My, well, Okay, I'll, I'll hit the cash button for you then. Um, I, I still would, I would wait to see if, whether it's not CJ Pathard or Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy though before I place a bet anywhere on there. Uh, as far as fantasy goes, Travis Etienne, if you survived, he's finally back as an RB1 in my book. I have him in RB11. So lower than the ECR because it needs to reflect that he has not been good lately. But this is a game, whether Trevor Lawrence is healthy or not, it doesn't make any sense for him not to get fed. It doesn't make any sense for him not to be productive against this Carolina defense. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is a little bit banged up. I think he's going to be okay. He is my RB14. Just He's getting all kinds of volume this week. Uh, Miles Sanders likely to be out. Chris, would you play Calvin Ridley if it's C.J. Bathard? Because that's one thing. I, right now, Ridley ranked at wide receiver 23. That's not in reflection of it being Bathard. I probably will move him down more to being a wide receiver three if it is Bathard. So where are you at on Calvin Ridley? I'm a little different, I guess, with that, Dan, where I don't think the quarterback's going to concern me whether I pick Calvin Ridley or not. I don't think it's a great matchup for Calvin Ridley in general. As you alluded to, there hasn't been a lot of fantastic passing attacks versus this Carolina defense that is getting healthier usually keeps the scores relatively close, but you can score some points on it. It has got, you know, got, Dobbs had a touchdown last week. They do get some touchdown pass passes up. So I think Calvin Ridley is a guy, if you're going to play anyway in the passing attack outside of Ingram is a guy that I would play regardless of the quarterback is. Well, I think that's kind of my point is that Evan Ingram's the guy to me where I think he's the number one guy. I think one guy is going to do really well in this game. I think that's Evan Ingram all the way. I think he actually is, might, especially if Cesar Pathar plays, might be the Jaguars' number one target with Zay Jones out, with Calvin really having to play the tough matchup on the perimeter against this Carolina team. I'm not expecting upside for Calvin Ridley. That's what I'm looking at. And I still think he has the wide receiver two base if it's Trevor Lawrence. But if it's CJ Bethard, I, I may. I may contemplate what kind of other options I have. Uh, Evan Ingram, a top five tight end in my book for this one. Uh, on Carolina's side, 
Adam, would you play Adam? Oh, yeah. Adam, would you play Adam? I have him on borderline wide receiver three. I think he's a fringe playable guy. Uh, I, this passing attack is hard to trust. Look, this was quite easily uh, the best offensive performance from Bryce Young so far in his, his career. Uh, it, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's the best he's done so far, and it was you're cool with what you got from Thielen, but if that this is effectively the ceiling um, under, you know, Thomas Brown and whatnot and what they've got going on uh, on the, the Panthers offense. If this is effectively the ceiling, uh, and especially if you're potentially thinking about this being a electric shootout between CJ Bethard and Bryce Young, uh, then <laughs> I, I, I struggle to be excited about it. He's one of their, you know, priority weapons in the passing game. So it's hard to completely count him out as a flex option. Um, but, but since the firing of Reich, it's not really been any, strong interest in me playing him yeah the, the week 17 championships of 2023 it's fantastic by the way packers defense this is for That's you terrible. Uh, what the hell was that you guys are awful and then on top of it Jared alexander screws up the coin toss so bad he gets suspended for a game from the packers i don't know i gotta find out more about that story but that was bizarre oh, you know, i know that story Oh, go ahead and hit me with it. Cause I he decided he was a captain because he was from Charlotte. Exactly. <laughs> I hit the nail on the head. So he did he wasn't one of the three captains that was elected for the game. The Green Bay oh, Packers elected. Yeah, he decided he wanted to go out there and they went over what the call was and he called he what did he said, We'll play defense. Now, luckily for him, that the referee had already been told previous what Green Bay's preference would be if they were one of the front green toss. So he said you meant to you wanted to say that you want to defer. So that allows them, you know, necessarily because it would have been de- opposite. So play, I play defense. That would allow the other team to decide, you know, what they were going to do, basically. So he wanted to defer, um, and it clarified, and he got suspended because he wasn't allowed actually to be out there. wasn't supposed to be out there. Jalen Alexander, you're an idiot, and you're not good enough no. to make boneheaded mistakes like that anymore either. Let's point that out there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I why well, I, I think he's an idiot. I also think Green Bay. You should have gave him. It was his hometown. Should have thought about it. And really suspending him in the most important game of your season is that really going to be helpful with your idiot defensive coordinator you have? Well, I'm not saying Green Bay smart. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of saying the idiot. Him being an idiot versus dark. all the idiots on the Green Bay right now. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Barry, all the guys got. I mean, there's a lot of coaches need to go, but he's he's definitely up there on the list of like, you better move on or Matt Lafleur needs to move on, one one or the other. I think I think it will be in fact the latter. All right, so let's go ahead into our next matchup. <laughs> Dolphins, Baltimore, one of our big games of the week. Dolphins heading into Baltimore at that. But we got a Jalen Waddle situation that I don't think he is going to be able to play coming off a high ankle sprain, even if it isn't that severe this week. Baltimore's favorite in this game at minus three with a 47 over under. Yes, the Ravens are coming off an emotional win. No, I don't care. The Dolphins are going to get bullied in this game. Baltimore covers that easily at minus three. If there's no Jalen Waddle, they can just plan to take away Tyree Kill. If they can just plan to take away Tyree Kill, all the Dolphins got is a hope for a running game, and that's it. I just think they get bullied in this game 
quite easily in my book. Uh, as far as fantasy situation goes, I think it comes pretty straightforward, right? In the Ravens side of the ball, you like Lamar Jackson. I think Zay Flowers has played himself into a low-end wide receiver two territory, and Isaiah likely is a must-play tight end one. I do have some questions still about Gus Edwards, though, Adam, just because uh, he's still not getting a ton of volume. He is getting the touchdowns. He got the touchdown last week, and without Keaton Mitchell, you probably will get his. he will always get his crack at touchdowns. So you're playing him on a touchdown-dependent basis. But this isn't a guy who's been getting double-digit touches automatically, even without Keaton Mitchell on the field. So where's your confidence level on a Gus Edwards? I, I think you play him anyways. Uh, at le- the very least, he's a high-end flex for me. Uh, because it's been consistent. We've seen it time in and time out. Like when Keaton Mitchell's not there, he's not getting crazy workloads, at least more often than not. He's not getting crazy workloads, but he's going to be the guy they use in the red zone. He, he consistently got touchdowns through a crazy stretch, and he was at 50% of the snaps like the entire time, like that he had that little run a month or so ago. It was like never exceeding 60%. And that was if they were blowing a team out, which, by the way, <laughs> Miami's susceptible to getting blown out by real teams. Like they they beat up on inferior competition, but when it comes to a team like Baltimore, they could easily get knocked out of here. No, I, I yeah, I totally agree. So I said I, I think they're one of the easiest lock them ins at minus three. Uh, because I don't think that game's actually gonna be that close. Um Gus Edwards, you're playing him for the touchdowns. I'm with you on that one. I just get a little bit hazy about what his upside necessarily is, which is why he still comes in as an RB three for me. But I do like your points there. Chris, for you, I got I got Tua. Uh, ECR still thinks this guy's a top 12 quarterback. I don't know if they've been paying attention as of late, but in the last six weeks, he's only had two top 12 finishes, one at 12, one at 10. No Jalen Waddle against Baltimore in Baltimore. Uh, I'm not starting to a deck of I got him all the way down to QB 21 this week. Yeah, I'm with you, Dan. The touchdown passes haven't been there, and as a result, you can't necessarily put him confidently in your lineup. You're not expecting you know, a big plays of Tyreek Hill to be able to go for 300 yards in this game. So otherwise, you're not going to have Tyreek Hill being you – know, I'm not sorry. You're not going to have Tyreek Hill being him that upside that you're looking for for QB1. So I'm with you, Dan. I don't think he's a guy that I want to have outside of a QB – you know, a two-QB league. Yeah, I agree with that. And with Zay Flowers, I just kind of want to mention, uh, usually the slot receiver does better against Miami than the perimeter receivers do as of this point with that defense is playing better. I don't want to take that as a note. The other thing, too, is that OBJ just can't stay healthy. Uh, he was in and out of the game last week against San Francisco. Zay Flowers, I think, is clear-cut the number one guy, which is why he cracks my top 24. Other than that, uh, do you guys have any other notes you want to add in here? I'm a little bit more bullish on the Dolphins than you are, Dan. I'm, I'm a Ravens fan probably of this show. But I think the Dolphins' defense is going to be a problem for this Ravens' offense. I know the defense for the Ravens is going to be a problem offensively, and we're focusing a lot on that. But this Raven offense isn't necessarily something to write your home about. And you talk about Gus Edwards and his involvement. I think most of the guys you can say about that in the Ravens' offense, you've got a bunch of guys who, what are their kind of upsides, how involved are they? And if Lamar's not kind of on point, it's going to get exciting for the Ravens' game. So I think this game's actually a lower score than people expect it to be. Oh, I like the under, by the way. I think I forgot to mention that because the over-under is at 47. I'm with you. I don't think this is a high-scoring game uh, at all. So I, I am definitely with you on the under there. All right, so let's go to our next matchup on that. <laughs> Real quick, Dan, you didn't mention the running back situation for the Dolphins. Are you playing Moser? Are you playing A-Chain versus Ravens defense? 
No, I I thought I thought I mentioned him briefly. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, Raheem Mostert is still RB6 for me overall. He's on a touchdown streak. He's been crazy. I think he gets an opportunity to score here. You saw what the zone run scheme can do against the Ravens. McCaffrey had no issues. I think Mostert will be very, very successful. On the Von Achan part, I mean, my analysis on him hasn't changed uh, in a long time, which is, look, he's a flex play. He can hit the big play, or he's probably not going to give you the high floor as high of a floor as you're hoping for. But he is likely a flex play, and if you're in a home run swing situation, this is a guy you can go to. How are you seeing that? I'm not as excited to flex play because I haven't really seen the upsides of week. We had the big plays a lot, you know, for a stretch there. But since the injury return, you've seen kind of a cap off on getting ten touches per game. You haven't seen him really as involved in the second half. I mean, definitely haven't seen him as involved in the red zone. So I'm a little bit more nervous about having H and plugging him in for some of the options to put receivers. Maybe you have this week at the flex options. Uh, that's that's a fair point. Like, I have an RB28, which is probably the lowest I've had him ranked uh, since his emergence, really, anyway. So I'm in, I'm in line with you there, but the big play is potentially there. And I like the one thing about the Dolphins I do like is their running scheme against the Ravens. People think you can't run on them. You can if you attack the edges. So that's one of the things I do give him a little bit of a credit for where he, that may be an opening door possibility for him this particular week. But I'm with you. It's big player bust for Devon Achan. Uh, Moving on now, we got the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans, our AFC South rival matchup here. And the good news is CJ Stroud may be back. He came back to practice today. All the players are getting super excited about CJ Stroud being back in the building, being back out in the practice field. It just feels very, very hopeful. This is a big, big game situation for Houston. They're trying to get into the playoffs here. They need this win. Uh, and if Stroud plays, He's a must-play for me. I got him as a top 10 quarterback this week. It also makes me love Nico Collins, who I am way ahead of in the ECR because I am projecting C.J. Stroud to play. I got him at wide receiver 15. ECR's got him at 26, and the same thing could be said for Noah Brown. I got him at wide receiver 26. ECR's got him at 38. It's good for Schultz, who has a top 12 tight end, and I even still like Devin Singletary to bounce back here as an RB25, so a high-end RB3 that you can likely play in your flex Still getting the majority of the work. Still no Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee side. So I like all the Houston Texans of CJ Strouds out there. That that's 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 number one. I mean, Adam, where's your confidence level at on a Nico Collins and a Noah Brown if we have CJ Stroud? Pretty high. I, I feel comfortable with, with playing both of them. I think uh, you know, Nico is probably a, a must play uh, if you have Stroud out there as well. Uh, and Noah Brown being a high, high priority flex type of option, I I would say. Yeah. So right, right, I have him ranked. So we we agreed there. I'm giving Derrick Henry one more time in the sun, one more chance to impress us for our fantasy football championships. I got him an RB seven this week. I know it didn't go well against Houston a couple of weeks ago, and I know Derrick Henry is very much going to be touchdown dependent because those big plays just have not been there. But with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, that's the only chance of an offense they have. At least with Will Levis, I mean, you, had, you know, they might get a couple bombs out to DeAndre Hopkins, but Chris, this has to be, as much as I want it to be more of the Tajay Spears show, I think it has to be the Derrick Henry show. Well, Will Levis did return, uh, did have limited practice today, so there's a possibility he I, can still return to play. Yeah, you're right. I'd be shocked, but you're, you're right. There's a possibility. Um, 
Uh, we did see Spears being involved. I think Derrick Henry is still going to continue to be the way involved he has been, whether the Tennessee's been in the playoff hunt or not. They've been consistently using him as kind of their priority back. As long as the game's close, they continue to use him. They need to have Taji Spears where they fall behind a passing attack. They sprinkle him in there. I think this should be no different. I'm a little concerned the matchup. Houston's been pretty good versus running, you know, running backs as of late. The front five, front four's been playing really well. But I think this is Derrick Henry's kind of swan song. I do think this is something, you know, to your point, it's a game that, you know, if you're going to have Derrick Henry in your lineup one last time for a championship run, this is probably it. And as a guy that, if any guy you could have in your lineup who could just break one off or, or be a guy that can just beast out at some point, is Derrick Henry. So I think he's still a guy I have in my lineup this week. Yep. Uh, Hopkins, he comes in as a low-end wide receiver, too, for me at wide receiver 24, but I don't... I don't feel good about that. Not not if Ryan Tannehill's a starting quarterback, not up against Derek Stingley. Um, and I may move him down a few spots if we get confirmation on Ryan Tannehill being said starting quarterback this particular week. It's just the big play is not there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is no longer the guy who gets the, you know, cut you by a thousand paper cuts type of volume, especially not a Ryan Tannehill with the way he's playing. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on that. I don't expect a big ceiling. But Adam, there's been a lot of talk, and because of his performance last week, about Chicken Conquo being one of those big streaming tight ends. And while I don't have him ranked low, I got him at tight end 14. I don't see him as a guy that I necessarily want to put in my lineup because of finally one decent game with Ryan Tannehill. I like him as a talent a lot, and he's someone who I... I liked pieces of coming into this season. So this season has been very disappointing for me in that regard. Um, but having said that, you kind of to your point, we've spent one good game. Uh, I, I'm not going back to the well with him and my, with a championship on the line. I think there's better options for you. Uh, and he kind of falls into um, look. I think after a couple of dead weeks, I wouldn't make this gamble, but kind of last week when I was talking about the type of guy that I'd take playing Taysom Hill over, I think Chig kind of falls into that category. I'm not doing that now again, <laughs> but he's the type of guy where it's like, if, if so, there's someone with upside, we talked about Jawan Johnson having upside against man coverage. I would take upside over Chig. I, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. Any other notes you guys want to get to in this game? All right. <laughs> Our next matchup on the West Coast, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Seattle Seahawks in this upcoming game. We don't really have any injuries of note to talk about in this game. The Seahawks at home are favored at minus three and a half with a 41 and a half over under. And my note here is simple. Mason Rudolph is a fraud. Christmas is over. Rudolph reigns no more. It will be the Seattle Seahawks minus three and a half in this game. Okay, just enough is enough already. Uh, Geno Smith, I think, proved last week that even when the matchup is good because he's just spraying the ball around, not throwing for a ton of touchdowns, I don't really love him for fantasy football purposes, so I'm not really going to be looking to stream him this week either. Another guy who I'm kind of, I guess you could say sour on, he's still going to be in my lineup, but Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker right now for ECR, Chris, is, is ranked as an RB10 overall. I'm at 22. He's not involved in the passing game. He needs a touchdown to really give you the value that you're actually looking for. And this is not a great matchup right now with the Steelers defense, with the way they've been playing as of late, getting their defensive line, their linebackers healthy. So I'm not seeing the big upside for Kenneth Walker to be an RB1 this week. Do you see it differently? 
I think it's a possibility. I mean, Pittsburgh's run defense hasn't been lights out by a stretch of the means either. They haven't been getting healthier and a little bit better, but there's still a lot of defense and necessarily scared of running the ball. Walker is definitely better at home than he is on the road. Um, so maybe we're looking for the bounce back in that sense. But is it a guy that I'm with you, Dan? I think that the is a guy I'm definitely playing this week, but isn't a guy I'm gonna be counting on having a huge upside. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at too. And again, the, all it's all about expectations. We've talked about this before. Even if it means we're going to play a guy still, having proper expectations can help you in the rest of your lineup of what you may need and what you should probably expect. Uh, as far as the Steelers' side of the ball, uh, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris. Harris has been playing a little bit more as of late. He's been having a little bit of success, I have to admit. But still, ultimately, not only these guys are more than flex players for me. I got Najee Harris ranked a little bit ahead at RB29, but Jalen Warren just right there at RB29. Be thirty-three, not inspiredly, not inspired uh, flex plays at that necessarily. Even against Seattle, who's been poor against the running games, I just see this, this entire Steelers offense taking a step back. That includes George Pickens, by the way. What the guy has one good game. Now we're locking him in as a top twenty-four receiver. Is that is that really what we do? We had three missed tackles and one blown covers that led to two big plays and a huge day for George Pickens. Good for you. It's still Mason Rudolph throwing the football. It's still circumstantial, not consistency, not evidence of what you truly are. I have him as a wide receiver three just because Rudolph does tend to go to George Pickens in his history over Deontay Johnson. So the target split share is going to be a little bit more even between those two than what we get to see between a Kenny Pickett or especially a Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, but Let's not get this thing twisted here. George Pick is not all of a sudden a must play, right, Adam? No, I don't think he is. Uh, yeah, that was an incredibly fluky game. And I've kind of said before on this show, it's probably been since early in the season, though, that I don't think anything that happens in divisional matchups should change what your priors were because they're like, they exist outside of primetime games and divisional matchups exist outside of the rest of time. They they are outside of the normal season. They are something completely different. Weird shit happens in those games all of the time. Like that's just the reality of the situation. Um, so when you have both of those things, a primetime matchup or what kind of feels like one and a divisional matchup, I don't care what happened. I'm not playing <laughs> a wide receiver that's reliant on Mason Rudolph throwing down the field. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> like, cause it's not going to be like, okay, Pickens getting, you know, receptions underneath is going to be a consistent thing. And that's going to consistently lead to points. Like you are still going to rely on the big play and Mason Rudolph still has to throw the big play. And I'm sorry. I didn't really even see Mason Rudolph look that good in the second half. It really just kind of seemed like the Bengals were flat in the first half. The Steelers got up big, and that was about it. But I saw Mason Rudolph once, you know, they were had the lead. So I don't know if that was just an emotionally charged situation in a big game, holiday weekend, division rival, keeping things alive. I don't know. I don't see it. Repeating. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you just said. And we're on the same page there. Uh, Seattle Seahawks receivers. Believe it or not, I have all three 
in the top 36. That includes JSN. Gino's spreading the ball more and more. JSN's been getting his own target share up. He's been on the rise and playing more. But as a problem, though, like DK Metcalf, who was like a low-end wide receiver one, becomes more of a mid-level wide receiver two, even in a matchup like this against Pittsburgh. A couple things. One, he's going to get the Joey Porter shadow. Uh, Joey Porter's been playing very, very well, especially second half of the season. But the other part of this is that if we're going to spread out all the targets and we're not necessarily singling out DK Metcalf for deep shots all the time, because for whatever reason, Shane Waldron doesn't build into his game plan every week this year like he did last year. uh, You just have to kind of simmer expectations to some degree. So all these guys, probably my lineup, Tyler Lockett, JSN, lower end flex play. So maybe not them, depending upon your options. DK Metcalf still will be, but I am not expecting wide receiver one like performance this week. I mean, Chris, what are you making of the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver group? Yeah, you're more brazen than I am. If you're if you're not going to have the guts to play Geno Smith, I don't know how you can play all three receivers. For me, these I understand the kind of the different guys getting opportunity for touches, but the upside is so limited. You're not getting touching opportunities, but with maybe one guy, which is basically DK Metcalf, is the only guy you really can count on being red zone, you know, getting some t- Am I frozen? Targets in the red zone, at least. So, likely. Um, and then I'm looking at Jack Smith, the Jigba is the other guy behind that. I like him more than that, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. No, okay. Uh, I got them ranked back to back, by the way. I have Lockett 35, JSN 36. It's very, very, very close uh, when it comes to those two right now in my book. But JSN has been kind of getting the targets. Lockett, we saw him have a bit of stat line last week. I was going to say that my big fear for this game is you have two offenses and two coaches who have no problem playing ugly football and they're just going to play to win. So I have a really concerned that you don't necessarily be pretty on either side. No, exactly. Which is why I would simmer any expectations of, of having a ceiling from any one particular player uh, in this game. And, and just since this is going to be the last one, I'm just going to shout out Pat Fryermuth. What a, what a lost season this was for him between injuries and just shoddy quarterback play. Guys, don't forget about Pat Fryermuth next year. This is a good tight end. You know, we'll have to see exactly who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Do the Steelers make a change of quarterback? Please, love of God, I hope you do. But uh, don't forget about Pat Fryermuth, all right? That's, that's all I'm going to to say because people are looking at this season and he's going to be completely off of everybody's radar and he is a good player all right with this go to our next matchup chris what do you got sorry go ahead. i was gonna say no i was gonna be a smart ass i was gonna say and by by this end of the summer pickett has one more good game this week he'll probably top 15 on everybody's board next week next year <laughs> he'd have to come back for the last game of the season though i'm hoping that doesn't happen just because of what you just said it's actually a reality possibility all right let's go to our next matchup <laughs> Chargers and the Denver Broncos. And the big news here, I can't believe it, but it is going to be Jared Stidham at the starting quarterback, not Russell Wilson this week. Sean Payton said, the hell with you. We're done with you. We're going to cut you in March. We don't, we're not even going to try to trade you. We're going to cut you in March. And we want to make sure that we still can. Uh, I don't know if that's really what they're going to wind up doing, but that was the rumor heading out today in case you missed it. So yes, it will be Jared Stidham at the quarterback position for the Denver Broncos. On the Chargers side of things, as far as injuries are concerned, Josh Palmer uh, self-reported late concussion issues. So we don't even know if we're going to have Josh Palmer out there uh, and Keenan Allen still acting like he's got a heel problem that's keeping him out and working on the side uh, with trainers. And uh, Cortland Sutton also doing a concussion issue for the Denver Broncos. The Broncos 
even after this news, somehow are favored in this game by minus five and a half points with an over under of 38 and a half. I'm not betting this game. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. No clue. Don't want to touch it at all. Uh, so there won't be any value bets for us here for this one. Go to the fantasy standpoint. Okay, fine. We'll go to Denver. I don't know if Cortland Sutton's going to play, so we can't really talk about him necessarily because he's doing the concussion issue, so we'll have to see. Jared Stidham, I don't think he affects anything. Does he, Adam? No, the one thing would have been for me Sutton um, just because I, I think Russell Wilson's deep ball off of play action is still really good, and that's been valuable for uh, Sutton specifically. But for everyone else... I, I think they're going to continue to play a pretty dumbed down, pretty try not to make the quarterback be the reason we lose offense. Uh, don't let the quarterback beat us offense. So they did with Russ. That's why they feel like they can get away with benching Russ because they haven't trusted him to do anything anyways. That Stidham can do most of the same things. I don't think anything functionally changes here, like realistically. No. Uh, maybe the time to throw has to get cut down a little bit because Russ can't dance. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's also to say is like, maybe, maybe there's a few extra check downs, like may, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Samaj maybe there's a few extra check downs heading their way, especially with, if there is no Cortland Sutton on top of the change, but yeah, I'm with you functionally. I don't think anything changes here. And even with Sutton out, I still don't have Judy as a playable option this week. I still have wide receiver 47. That's with anticipation of Sutton being out with Jared Sutton being the starting quarterback. And I still can't get him in even remote flex territory. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong, but I would throw this asterisk out there just in that. I, I think he has upside. I don't think he has any type of, there is no floor. His floor is zero. Uh, <laughs> but there's some amount of upside with him. I mean, we have seen Sidham go for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns before. Um, and this is one of those weird, stupid games where it would happen. Um, and the one thing I'll, I'll say is that like, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you need upside and you are, you know, grasping at straws for flex options, there's probably worse than Judy out there. Um, again, if you specifically need upside, upside uh i'm sure you can find someone who's just gonna get you 10 uh, but if you you need more than that and you're just kind of hoping on a prayer maybe that's an option but that would be like the only scenario and even then it's maybe not your best um but yeah I just, i'm just saying i wouldn't be shocked if judy ended up in the end zone with 100 yards and eight receptions like i also wouldn't be shocked if you put up zero yeah, I mean, from the standpoint of there's going to be target consolidation, and because we don't think Marvin Mims ever gets a fair chance, <laughs> it, it, it could be Jerry Judy. Uh, yes, it's a possibility, but there's no way. I guess my point more being there's no way in a championship week I'm going to this guy who's just done nothing all year, and and there's really has been no no reason for it's not like Cortland Sutton's been a target hog, and that's why he's been fantasy relevant. So that's kind of that's kind of the issue here for me as well. Uh, so I still wouldn't play a Denver Bronco receiver in case you guys are wondering. I did have Josh Palmer, my flex consideration, being that he is exhibiting concussion symptoms late. Uh, I think it might be pretty much of a long shot for him to play. So would you play Quentin Johnston on the other side? Well, I kind of have the same boat as Jerry Judy. I still go like, well, I was like, yeah, even then, even then, I still probably have a wide receiver four. No, I think that maybe just pushes up uh, Chargers tight end a little higher in, in that yeah. rankings. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I can realistically trust Quentin Johnston. No, I, I'm with you on that one. So Austin Eckler, Javante Williams, I have them both as flex plays. Now, if Josh Palmer is going to be out, maybe I move Eckler into just inside my top 24 because he will. Get, he did show last week when necessary. He'll get enough of a target share and get enough volume to be able to do something. This is a good matchup on paper against the Denver Broncos. I'm just a little leery of it because, well, Eckler hasn't looked good. And two, it's, it's really the only thing they need to stop on, on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm sure that's going to be the game plan here for Javante. Say uh, he scored last week. That's the good news. This is an easier match against the Chargers than it was the New England Patriots. That's the other part of that, but it's just been so inefficient, so brutal, so bad. I can't have him anything more in the flex play either. So where's your confidence level out in the two running backs? They're probably the only actual fantasy relevant players in this game. Yeah, I think they're both flex plays, and for similar reasons. You know, there, there's things that you like from a volume standpoint and from a you know ability to get in the end zone standpoint, but efficiency has been bad uh Eckler doesn't look good and the run game in general for Denver just doesn't particularly look good so I, I'm kind of with you yeah uh we got a question coming in from hashtag ORB Joe Mixon Ty Chandler Zeke Elliott Zamir White if Josh Jacobs is out is obviously starting Kyron Williams Jameer Gibbs so I'm guessing he's asking for a flex play between Joe Mixon Ty Chandler Zeke Elliott and Zamir White I'm going by my rankings for me, it would be hands down Joe Mixon. Uh, he has a lower floor if he doesn't score than maybe a Ty Chandler or Zamira White does if Jacobs is out, or maybe even a Zeke Elliott. But he has the highest ceiling because he's got the more opportunity for touchdowns than those guys. I, I'm not big on Ty Chandler this week because of Alexander Madison and what he's going to be able to play. Zeke's fair. He's he's fine, but there's not much upside there. Zamir White, not involved in the passing game. He's got to get it all done on the ground. If he doesn't score, there's not a lot of upside there either. Joe Mixon's been the guy that outside of last week has been on a five-touchdown game tear. Uh, I'm going Joe Mixon here. But uh, Adam, what would you do? My conversations between uh, the same two as you, it would be between Joe Mixon and Zamir White. I like the matchup a lot for Zamir White. Um, although, kind of to your point, Mixon gets involved in a lot more different ways. Uh, and he, you know, does seem to find him his way into the end zone more often than not, at least over the last month, month and a half. Um, so I may be a slight, slight lean to Mixon, but I, I would feel comfortable with either of uh, Zamir White or Joe Mixon. Definitely, if Jacobs plays, then it's it's slam dunk Joe Mixon. I don't think about the other guys, personally. Uh, it's a little bit of an internal conversation uh, if Jacobs is out uh, and you're looking at Zamir potentially, but I, I think you probably slight lean Mixon. Chris, real quick, Joe Mixon, Zamir White, which one would you play in the flex? I'm going to go with... Uh, if- Jacobs is out. I'm going to play zero weight this week. I liked what I saw last week. I like the commitment to the game, and we haven't seen the Colts be really good against the run for a while. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. All right. Let, well, not not to try to murky up the waters for you after you ask that question, but just keep in mind, two to one, slightly Joe Mixon. I like just I just like his upside for touchdowns more, but we'll have to see how that plays out with Josh Jacobs. Let's go to our next matchup. <laughs> All right, we got the Cincinnati Bengals, speaking of Joe Mixon, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. Jamar Chase, still very questionable with his shoulder issue. And Isaiah Pacheco, I don't know if he's going to play because he came down with a concussion. And as we already know, Jared McKinnon on the IR. 
Uh, Kansas City is favored in this game at minus seven and a half with a 45 and a half over under. I get it. The Chiefs have not been covering as of late, not been playing well as of late. But if the Bengals don't have Jamar Chase, I don't know if they have the firepower against this Kansas City defense to keep this game within two scores. And the Bengals defense on the flip side of that hasn't been great. So I am going to tentatively, as you can tell, I'm not uber confident, but I'm going to tentatively say I'm going to take the Chiefs the cover at minus seven and a half heading into this week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, it's a much better matchup, which is why I have him at QB eight. And if you keep in mind here, and I'm still lower in ECR, but I've been way lower on ECR for a long time. This is a much better matchup than he's had in a while. This could be a decent, I don't want to say get right game because I don't think we're going to see, you know, 40 point QB1 overall, Patrick Mahomes. But do I think it's a situation where I think he gives you a top 10 performance? Yes, I do think there's a situation where that could actually wind up happening. Chris, you agree or just you're staring away from Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I think that he has a floor because his legs right now, you're seeing Patrick Mahomes rely more and more on scrambling around and making plays with his legs, which gives you fantasy floors, which is good for everybody. So to your point, Dan, it's not a bad matchup, and you've seen Patrick Mahomes running around a lot more. I think he's a guy I'm having my lot this week. Uh, Jake Browning, there's no way I play him, especially if there's no Jamar Chase against this defense right now. Let's talk a little CEH. Uh, anticipating that he is the only real running back the Chiefs will have active this week, I do have him as an RB24, so I kind of have him as a must-play low-end RB2. Uh, you love the matchup and you love the potential volume that he could be facing. So I don't see too many other better options that you're going to have, especially that could be available to you in your waiver wires right now. That's why he was number one in my waiver wire rankings. Uh, Joe Mixon talked about him. I am lower than the ECR though, is Adam and Chris. You, you know, we both talked about hesitancy, not loving his floor necessarily. I am kind of in the same boat when I got him at RB 17 and ECR has got him at RB 11. That's a little aggressive against this really good Kansas city rush defense. I just think he still has a great chance for a touchdown. We know when the Cincinnati Bengals get into the red zone, that's where he's going, and that's where he's been able to convert uh, more times than not. So I, I, I don't know. Chase Brown's it seems to be capped at that eight to ten volume. Uh, I mean, Adam, that's that's kind of what I've seen. Do you think maybe he gets a little more involved in this game? No, I, I think that's his role is that he's kind of capped to that volume. We've kind of seen that with the the backs back up uh, to some of these aging backs. Is that you know teams want to use them? Uh, we've seen that with Spears. We've seen it with Warren, um, but they're kind of capped in their touches and, and uh, yeah, I think chase Brown's role has been perfect for him, at least for now. I'm sure he'll be a, a starter for Cincinnati in the future. Um, I also think this game could be weirdly close. I think this is a Suedo rivalry game in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that kind of bodes well for a, a Joe Mixon type. Uh, I, I think Cincinnati will be kind of annoyed that they're overlooked um, in the, the chiefs Bengals matchup. Um, that's my gauge on it because I, I know that it feels like they treat this as a rivalry game. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good point too. Uh, we're just about to get to it. ORB's back. Uh, while I'm at it, he said rice or Zay flowers. Well, guess what? I got Rashi rice in my top 12 this week. I love the match against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. Rice all day, every day. McBride or Evan Ingram. Good question. 
I'm still going with McBride. Chris, I'll get your get your take on that one. Uh, the reason I go McBride is because I know Kyler Murray's going to play, and I know McBride's getting a 30% target share right now. Uh, if Trevor Lawrence plays, maybe a little more gets thrown out to Calvin Ridley, uh, but I would probably still go with McBride. What, what would you do between McBride and Evan Ingram? Two good tight ends there. Yeah, that's a really tough one for me. I like the you talked about the target share. McBride's has a huge target share. I do like that a lot, but I like Ingram's involvement in the red zone as of late. So I do like his, you know, actually being targeted with that Caesar Thard or Trevor Lawrence. I probably look depending on what I'm looking for. If I need the safe floor, I'm going McBride. I'm looking for a little bit more upside. I might go Ingram, but I think McBride's probably the play. And then Jets or Bills defense. Uh, for me, it's Bills defense based on what I expect to have in that Thursday night game. But Adam, which direction would you go there? I, I think I'm with you. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the Patriots. Usually a safe play to go. Happy New Year, ORB. Thanks for tuning in. Slim Jim, who should I start? Cooper Cup or Pukunukua? You can't play both these guys. I have them both, but don't know who to start. Why can't we get both? Look, I got both these receivers in my top 10. If you, you got to, there has to be a way that you can play both of these wide receivers against the Giants this week. Uh, I, I mean, I guess. If you can, you go Puka. But yeah, I was going to say gun to my head. If you can't, I got Puka two spots ahead of Cooper Cup. I got him at six and Cup at eight. Uh, Adam, would you go Cup or, or Puka? I, I agree on Puka slightly. Slightly. Yeah, it's well, it's a slightly for me in my rankings too. Slim Jim, find a way to get both of them in your lineup. That that would be my overall number one advice to you. Uh, getting back to this game between the Chiefs and the Bengals, yeah, we kind of hit on Rasheed Rice. He's a must play. Uh, Chris, let me ask you this: There's no Jamar Chase out there. We know T. Higgins is going to have a terrible match against Ladarius Sneed, even though I do have him still as a top twenty receiver just because of the target share that he might see. So I still have his wide receiver too. But my question is more about Tyler Boyd. He might be the one guy who can maybe get a mismatch lining up in the slot a bit. I got him at wide receiver 37, so a borderline flex play. Would you maybe think about Tyler Boyd in a game like this, or are you avoiding him altogether? If I'm on a full-point PPR, I think I might consider him. Otherwise, I'm I'm avoiding him altogether. Um, even a full-point PPR, I'm not thrilled to do it, but I think there's possibility. You talked about you know other guys kind of being taken away possibly in the passing attack. There's going to be somebody getting the ball thrown to them. Tyler Boyd can get involved, but the running backs being involved, different receivers being out there, tight ends being more involved of late, I'm not really trusting Tyler Boyd to be my guy that I want to have my lineup for most leagues. Yeah, I, I hear you on that point too. Uh, it's just there's got to be some volume somewhere in this game, and and with Higgins's matchup, I wouldn't be surprised if Boyd maybe just has a safe floor. But yeah, you're obviously you guys you got limited ceiling. Uh, Adam, Travis Kelsey's my tight end six. I just wanted you to know that he's not my tight end one. ECR still ranking him as tight end one, by the way, which still blows my mind. Just he hasn't a touchdown in what seven weeks, six weeks. Like, come on. Get with the program here. Taylor Swift has drained him, fellas. Drained him. It's not It's not good for Swifty. Remember when Chase kept making all those arguments about like, oh, and Taylor Swift's in the building, Travis Kelsey goes off? Yeah, how's that been working out lately over the past two months? Well, she could only help overcome the putrid offensive that is the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> for so much, Dan. I think eventually reality kicked in where even, ta- even Taylor's great gifts couldn't overcome how stupid and how ugly this offense is run. Or, or this maybe hard phase is over. <laughs> well, I was like, or maybe reality kicked in and it's finally the distraction it always has been and it's hard to see it on the field. I'm just kidding. I don't think it's that. I think this, I put a lot of this on you need better receivers. That's that's first and foremost. The other thing, too, um, stop letting Maggie Nagy call plays. That, that'd, be, that'd be my well, advice. Let's also talk about something real quick for, for sure. in 
about you know this whole situation the tight end Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's an older guy. We're talking about two years ago, they were talking about cutting back on him because he wore out towards the end of the season going to the Super Bowl and they didn't want that to happen again. So they were trying to figure out ways to use him less, have him out in the field less. And the problem for him has been they needed him on the field for every single thing to do everything. And basically he doesn't have any gas left in the tank because he's getting older and he wasn't supposed to be carrying his offense on his back week in, week out. Well, and, and to be fair to him too, he's been dinged up this year, more so than we're used to him seeing, especially in the lower extremities. Started off the year that way. That does play a big difference, I think, when you're an older player and you're starting off the year with a lower body issue. Now, I'm not putting this all on Travis Kelsey. And frankly, as a tight end, he's still been very, very good. It's just, once again, I advise everybody, don't take draft tight ends in the first round. I don't care who they are. This is what happens again for the second time in three years when this when this goes down. I'm just pointing that out there. So keep that in mind next year. I don't care how good you think Sam Laporte is going to be or whoever. Uh, tight ends don't belong in the first round. Neither do quarterbacks if it's not a two quarterback lead. Just only case. draft tight ends in the first round when it's not popular to do so because that's when it's <laughs> exactly. You're right on the money, Adam. And then even then. You don't have to because nobody else is, so you don't have to pay that price tag. All right, so <laughs> with that, we can go ahead and move on to the next match. This is a Sunday night game. We got the uh, Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Only the Green Bay Packers can still make the playoffs, right? Minnesota's knocked out. No, this is, they're still both in. Both in no, okay, they're still both in. All right. I, th- I thought when Minnesota's lost last week, I thought maybe they were out of it, but uh, I guess not. All right, so a big game, a lot on the line, two playoff teams. <laughs> Keeps everybody in it. Keeps everybody in it, yeah. Uh, Minnesota is at home and favoring this game at minus one and a half with a 45 and a half over under. What cracks me up is that if Minnesota's at home, so I guess that's why you'd be favored by a point and a half. And frankly, it also means on a neutral field, the Packers, I guess, would be favored by a little bit. Uh, Because you get the three-point swing at home. But being that we don't even know who the quarterback from Minnesota is going to be, I'm kind of surprised to see them favored at all. It's just a very interesting situation. Uh, Chris, I know you're going to say, I know what you're going to say. Bryce Young, Carolina (laughs) Panthers just gave them all the Green Bay could handle. So, yeah, I I, I get that part of it. But still, 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 still interesting. Uh, I'm not betting this game because I think, anything could happen in this game. <laughs> you don't know which team on which side on what night you're going to, frankly, you're going to get. So I'm not looking to bet this game. Play at all. Aaron Jones, Justin Jefferson and call it a day, Dan. Let's be real. <laughs> well, I, I will say I, I do still have Ty Chandler because I do expect him to still be the lead back. And it's still a good match against green Bay uh, as my RB 23 this week. Few spots lower than ECR because I do expect Alexander Madison to get a little more playing time, but I still think he is an RB two this week. Do you not agree with that? I think he can be in discussion for RB two, but I mean, coming off an eight carry, seventeen yard performance last week, and Madison being more healthier and being possibly rotated, I I don't have a whole lot of confidence in running him out there. Yeah, it's, it's fair. It's fair points. I, I think the, the we have to see exactly if we can get any kind of clarity throughout the week to see who is going to be the lead back uh, in that scenario. I have to think again, trying to apply logic here. You'd let it be Ty Chandler. We've already seen enough out of Alexander Madison. I think at this point, uh, Chris, all the whole backfield, the running backs and the quarterbacks in this game. 
wouldn't that be great like we saw a little bit of who was it last uh, the, the texans ran out a little bit of like a two quarterback system with davis mills and case keenum it'd be hilarious we saw the vikings come out here and we're like a three quarterback system like yeah it's a preseason game didn't you know we're trying to fight for the playoffs we're acting like it's a preseason game out here uh yes we're playing justin jefferson as a wide receiver two overall adam if there's no Christian Watson. If there's no Jaden Reed, those guys are still trying to come back on the mend. And the potential of the, maybe there's no Dytavian Wicks because he Reed was limited today, by the way. He, yeah, I did see that he was limited today, but he got a limited practice in last week and he didn't wind up being active. So we still have kind of to watch that situation. And Dytavian Wicks is re aggravating his foot in- issues that he's had. So now he's, I would say, pretty questionable as of this moment, too. Romeo Dobbs could be the guy. And yet I still have him ranked as wide receiver 39. Is that too low? I mean, if all of those dominoes fall into place, then I think he warrants getting bumped up into your flex conversation, but that's about it. Uh, Maybe, you know, 36. And that's if all of those dominoes fall how they need to. Um, I I struggle to trust that they're not just going to spread this out. Um, The one thing that makes me feel good is... I mean, it's a coin flip on if this makes me feel good, but there's going to get pressure thrown their way. Um, That can be a good thing or a bad thing. And I think a receiver like Dobbs can definitely eat off of that type of situation. I guess I'm just kind of concerned as to whether or not Jordan Love can kind of process fast enough, get the ball out fast enough against uh, a lot of exotic blitzes. So I, I, I guess time will tell. I think he's an upside flex if all the dominoes fall into play. I think I think that's that's fair, but I'm with you. I think Jordan Love's gonna have a hard time in this game with this Minnesota defense, with the way they've been playing lately. Uh, that's that that's honestly how I see it. Uh, Chris, how do you see this thing going down with, with Romeo Dobbs and Jordan Love? Oh, I tend to agree. I just think it's interesting. Jordan Love has one of the better QBRs versus blitz this entire year. So people have been harping a lot about Jordan Love versus blitz and how it's not something necessarily scared of or shy away from. Actually, he's been really good versus blitz. But I'm with you both. I think the exoticness of the blitz, I think the Vikings defense in general is something I'd be scared of and I wouldn't necessarily. And just the volatility of both these teams that just I have no gauge or feel of how things are supposed to unreal. unreal. Um, and especially offensive for Green Bay Packers, sometimes they're run happy, sometimes they're pass happy. So Dobbs is a guy that I might throw out there if I have no other option. But even then, I'm not necessarily excited about it. Yeah, and again, that's only if he's going to be the guy. Tucker Craft can be a streaming option if Romeo Dobbs is the guy and they have no other but options. Craft's a guy that can just consider also, though, because he's been pretty consistently decent the last couple of weeks. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think he is a streaming option here for the Green Bay Packers against this Minnesota Vikings team. I mean, even Aaron Jones, you're, you're going to play. I got him in RB19. Uh, I would be worried about his ceiling. Minnesota's been pretty good against the running backs since this defense has started clicking since week eight. So uh, that's not even necessarily a gimme in that situation, too. He's going to be out there he's a talented player and he's healthy right now uh but this is not looking to be a great fantasy matchup i think this sunday night i don't think a lot of points were scored so you know what actually the more i talk about this the more i am going to take a bet i'm going to take the under at 45 and a half that's what i'm going to take uh, heading into this game uh all right guys that does it for the show our last preview show of the year the last one for the md's fantasy football show Don't worry when we know exactly what we're going to be when we come back next year with something brand new for you guys. We'll have that out to you and announce to you as soon as possible. We are going to have offseason content in whatever form that takes as well. 
may not be until March. We'll keep you posted there. Make sure you follow us on social media at Show on X, MDFF Show everywhere else. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You will be following with us in the new brand if you are following us here now with the MB's Fantasy Football Show. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Follow me at DanMaterFF. Adam, where should we follow you? Yeah, at LaRue Adam on X or Twitter or whatever you like to call it. I'm still a proponent for Twitter, but uh, regardless, follow me over there. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. Good luck in all your matchups this weekend, especially my championship uh, fellow people. Um, good luck. Yeah, how, yeah, hallelujah for you guys. I mean, seriously, like you made it. You made it. Hopefully, we helped you out. Hopefully, you win a championship. Hopefully, you check us out in your favorite podcast app. I would tell you where to follow Chris at, but he's still anti-social media as the old man of the follow, show. So. Follow man up there. That's who. You follow, that's how you follow me. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right, guys. Good luck in your matches. We will be back here tomorrow at 930 with Brian Scott to talk about our, some injury inquiries. And the second half of the show, we will have second half Chaz. Chaz, Florida Sports Betting Weekly. Chris will be back for that show as well. We'll get you some cash tickets heading into this week's 17 weekend. So good luck, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>